Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, April 30th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say, Meow. Mr. Bob Ryer, Konnichiwa. and on the line with Stephanie Cook. Hello. Hello, everyone. The gang is back together. We're all here. Has it been a while since all of us have A couple weeks. Been, yeah, it's been a couple weeks, I think. Indeed. It's been like two weeks or something like that, right? Um, yeah, so we're back, and we're going to be... Um, We've got a bunch of news to talk about in the second half of the show, and we'll also be doing our books of the week, um, and also our new uh, lightning round segment will continue once again uh, th- this week. Um, lightning round. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, gotta, we, we do need an effect Yeah, for we that. do. We yeah. need a sounder for that. We do, we definitely, Big thunderclap. We definitely, definitely do. So, um, Thank you. <laughs> sorry. Steve, how was your, uh, your trip to Canada? It was awesome. Nice. It was awesome. Uh, Easter was good. I, uh, I had a little bit of a mishap when I landed. I, uh, if you've ever seen the, well, Stephanie, I found out lives 15 minutes from the Toronto airport. I was like, I was going to call you out on this show and be like, Oh, Steve's always in Toronto. I'm 15 minutes away. That is not true. That is not true. I am not always in Toronto. This is the second time that I've been to Toronto, but, and I, to be fair, I did not know where you moved to, but anyway, I I landed and I had to wait about four or five hours at the airport to be picked up because my girlfriend was working and it's just the way it worked out. People you in, could have visited me. People in Toronto don't know how to drive. Okay, <laughs> I'm standing outside. I'm waiting for her to pull up into the pickup area, and holy shit, it was worse than New York. It was worse than JFK. It was worse than any other airport I've ever seen. It was a shit show. Um, I ended up to make a long story short. I ended up losing my bag. Uh, it was mm. my. It was totally my fault. Uh, I lost my bag. They were shoving us along. An ambulance was coming through. It was chaos, and uh, so I had to go about four or five days without any clothes. Um, my Wii U was in the bag, um, and my car keys were in the bag. Oh! And worst of all, the thing that I was devastated to have left in there was my sketchbook with all oh. of my original artwork oh. in it, and I was devastated. I called them the, that night, and then they told me to call back the following day. I called. They said, we have a bag that matches your description. I said, that's awesome. Can you please open it up and let me know? I can tell you exactly the contents of the book in, in order of where it is. We can't do that. Why? Just zip it, open it up. <laughs> no, we can't. So I get back to the airport a couple of days later on my way back to London, Ontario, and I get my bag. I literally hugged my bag coming out of the room that they were keeping it in, fell onto the ground and was kind of rolling around in the middle of the airport next to the information booth, almost like quasi humping the bag 
while they were staring at hmm. me and I got up and they go, wow, I have in, I've been working here for over 20 years. I have never seen anyone mm-hmm. be so happy to get their bag back. We're going to confiscate that. You seem a little too happy. Yeah, <laughs> that should get you pulled right into the office. Yeah. So, but I mean, no, it's Canada. It's not America. Good on them, though, for, <laughs> for whoever found it, brought it in and, and put it away and, you know, did the right thing and yeah. whatever. I don't know if it was a staff member or a Canadian such nice people. Yeah. So not my bag. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, it's come on. True. If, if, was, if I had a woman York, apologize to me for holding the door open to me the other day. I'm just saying, it's if it was New York, there is a high probability that somebody could just like, you know, they see the bag and everything's rushing around. So they look around and they're like, ah, they don't even check what's in it. They don't care. They'll just take it, shove it in the back of the car and like whoever they picked up, be like, yeah, I got a bag in the back. You know, mm-hmm. when we stop, we'll open it up. We'll mm-hmm. see if there's anything there. Maybe there's a laptop or whatever. But somebody brought my bag in. Um, so, so, so happy to get it back. I have a hysterical picture of me yep. holding it up like Simba in the Lion King. Just like, <laughs> oh God, I was so happy. It was our airport being like, oh yeah, you think that we're the worst? Well, deal with this shit. Yeah. And then it was like, no, we just kidding. We love you. We, we're awesome. Steve, um, look at, we're awesome. Now you love us, don't you? But yeah, I had a good time. I uh, got to spend good quality time with my uh, girlfriend's family for Easter. It was the first time I was ever away from my family for a holiday. So that was interesting. Um, and lots of downtime. Took off both uh, from both podcasts, both Talking Games and Talking Comics. Uh, got to read a lot of books and decompress and play a lot of Diablo and binge-watched, binge-watched Game of Thrones from season two, season three, and four. So, like, a whole day, 24 <laughs> hours of Game of Thrones. It was epic. <laughs> nice. Good times. Nice. Um, and uh, speaking of, of, of other podcasts, Stephanie, uh, you guys had a new Misfits episode, right? We did. We uh, we did talk about one of your favorites, Bobby, mm-hmm. Uncanny X-Force from yeah. Rick Remender. I'm reading it. One more trade left. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really good. It went really well, and... We were actually just talking about this before the show, you know, started, but uh, the sound quality, I think, is starting to get way better. I'm not a lost cause with editing, as it turns out. Um, Apparently, it's just a thing that most people aren't naturally good at right away. No, it's not. (laughs) It's a craft. So so I'm getting there, and so I'm really happy um, with the show and how it's kind of getting better on a technical note. And, I, I mean, I love doing the show with Melissa and Mara. They're two of my favorite people and it's been so much fun doing and our next topic is lord of the rings nice Whoa. so will the I show be like, four hours long too <laughs> i know no the sh- the movie or sorry the podcast will be like two and a half hours long and then we'll release the extended edition good okay <laughs> um but yeah we're gonna have um one of our other guests that was filled in for um, melissa zoe she's gonna come on the show and mara melissa Zoe and I will all talk about, you know, the geekiness that is Lord of the Rings, the movies, the books. Zoe has, like, Lord of the Rings tattoos Mm. and stuff. So, I mean, it should be a pretty... Hardcore, yeah. Yeah, it should be pretty, like, geeky talk. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, I kind of like Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah, You kind of like it. Kind of like it. I have, like... You know, the film cells, like I have one from each movie and then mm-hmm. I've got the figures and I sometimes like sit around on the couch and shoot little arrows from Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, and, uh, uh, awesome. go on Steph, I'm sorry. 
Oh, no, no. I've just got, like, you know, lots of Lord of the Rings stuff. So, obviously, I don't like it very much either. <laughs> I'm doing the smart thing by waiting for the extended editions of The Hobbit and mm-hmm. waiting for that final box set. Mm-hmm. They're not mm, getting, me they're, too. They're not getting me this time. Yeah. <laughs> Wise um, up. But, you know. They only got me last short. time because of the fact that they oh. came out on Blu-ray. Yeah. That's why they got me last time. Um, <laughs> so sorry, Stephanie, what were you saying? I was just going to say, long story short, if you haven't listened to New Misfits, go do that. Yes, absolutely. And you can find that, obviously, um, under podcasts on TalkingComicBooks.com and subscribe to their feed um, on iTunes and check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was even a tornado in the last episode. Oh, really? Yeah, Mara yeah. was in the bathroom. She <laughs> she had to, like, go into there for just, just to be safe. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, through wind and rain and tornadoes, we will podcast. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Awesome. So, um... Like I said, we're going to do our books of the week, our lightning round, and then talk a little, little news and listener questions after the break. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing uh, our amazing Spider-Man 2 review. Ooh. So um, if you see the movie, uh, send in your thoughts. Um, if you're going to post on Twitter or Facebook, please keep it spoiler-free. But if you want to send emails, just mark them as spoiler territory so we don't read them before we see the movie. <laughs> yeah, we have a thread up already, yeah. which is being very nice, spoiler yeah. alerts, and yeah. all, because it's open everywhere but here apparently yeah it is uh well there's a review on the site right now yeah. from uh, adam shaw he saw, mm. he's from japan he saw it so there's a review up there you can check that out um and we'll be doing our podcast review next week with the the group the crew from um talking movies so yeah that's the podcast that that was from yeah, yeah. <laughs> so many so many of them so how many did, talking how did the um didn't you have a fantasy draft or something over there it took like 11 hours wow um no it took 11 hours it took like five hours to do it um i wasn't up for the whole thing but it took like like the length of any fantasy draft because you do uh, it was it was fun, you know. He, he even Brian who Verderoso runs it, and it's cool. Like we get, we have a hundred hundred fake dollars to bet on to buy movies for the summer, kind of, and then they're collected box office. Whoever has the most wins the the tournament, and you know some movies were split in half, like movies like Planet of the Apes and you know Godzilla and stuff like that are split in half. Spider Man split in half, so that you can't buy that, and because if you bought that and you had the whole thing, you probably probably win yeah. with just one other one or two other things. So. You know, you, you split those in half, and there were all, and there were bundles of other movies, like smaller movies. You'd get you know four movies for the price of one, stuff like that. So it was cool, and it all came off this this the Simpsons thing. The Simpsons writers do it, and he actually talked to one of the Simpsons writers on the phone. Wow! wow. And they sent them like all his spreadsheets and stuff like that. Wow! I tried following it on Twitter, and yeah. I just I I was losing my mind. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> you, yeah, it, it was the it was the wrong format to do it in, only because. But we we discovered doing it that the, that there is a marked difference between how long it takes a tweet to post from your computer uh-huh. than it takes to post from your phone Ooh. or from an iPad. Because I was tweeting, I was on the computer at first, and I was tweeting things, and they like they were get they were there was like a twenty thirty second delay, right? And then when I did it on the phone, they were just instantaneous. Well, so I, I had to uh, for Joe Blow. They have every year they have like a summer box office uh, right. prediction mm-hmm. thing. And so I was like, I was like, who's going to be my horse? I was trying to follow Brian so I could just see his predictions and try to win like the 300 bucks or whatever it is. And I, I couldn't follow it. I was just going to email and be like, hey, man, why don't you give me your top 10? I'll give you half. The guy to follow is sitting across the table from you. Uh-huh. Let me just tell you, Bobby's I, the guru of, of I, this stuff. When we did that Fanboy Remix box office pool, I cleaned up. Nice. <laughs> we still owe you a dinner. I think you, yeah, two, you do. You, two. Two, you owe me two dinners. <laughs> That's right. Two years. I totally forgot about that. Two years in a row, I won that thing. I didn't get my dinner. Um, but follow those guys at Movies Talking on Twitter. And uh, if you go to talkingmoviespodcast.com, uh, that's their website. Um, and check it out. It's cool. I'm, I'm excited. I got some good ones. I have, I have half of Guardians. I've got half of um, How to Train Your Dragon 2, mm-hmm. which I think is actually going to be the biggest movie of the summer. 
I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, it's I'd... movies. I mean, they always like go in for the kill. Yeah. And it's been a long time. It's been like five years since the first one. But I don't know. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not going to. Eight four. Yeah. Four years. Four yeah. years since the last movie. And it's, I, it's such a good movie. It's such a great movie. I just um, wrote about is. the first one. Oh, yeah. Uh, this past week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I've got half of Guardians, half of that. I've got all of Maleficent, Ooh. which th- they had mm. to pick one to put back together. And I don't think that movie is probably going to be good, but it's going to make a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Do you how much Alice in Wonderland made? That yeah. <laughs> the Angela's, trailer looks good. Yeah, it does look good. And Maleficent is a very, very popular character. So I mean, I think you're looking at least like two hundred million dollars or something like that for it. So mm. I'm uh, not coughing up money for that until somebody tells me it's worth actually seeing. Well, yeah, and I'm like, I'm not counting on you seeing it because it's dom- I know, it's domestic box office, Stephanie. <laughs> so your money doesn't even count for me. Oh, <laughs> well, unless you're in Minnesota, it doesn't yeah. count. Um, yeah, I got well, a couple of your bills don't too. smell like a hundred or maple syrup. Bills actually smell like maple syrup. Well, that's delightful. <laughs> I can't. I have nothing to say to that. All right, so let's move on to the to the to the lightning round. We're gonna say lightning round. So if you guys didn't listen last week, so this is a new segment where we have three minutes each to talk about um, a section of books. Uh, you know, it could be one book, it could be two books, it could be three books, it could be eight books. Um, Steve is holding up clear money from Canada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and and just, you can use your time however you want. Um, this is kind of a place where for the, for the weeks or months where the books that we love are coming out, that nothing really big is happening in them. We can still talk about them, but they don't take up the book of the week segment. Um, this is what we're using uh, that segment for. So I'm going to throw you right in the fire, Steve. All right. You weren't here last week. I was not. It's your first lightning round. You have three minutes, sir. Ready. Lightning round. Go. Okay. So I was not here last week, and I got to read uh, Spider-Man, Superior Spider-Man number 31, the series finale of Dan Slott's mega ridiculous event. Uh, Justin got to talk about it, but no, I get to talk about it. So something that reoccurs in this podcast is that it is known that I have never cried over a comic book, ever. I've gotten really, really, really close, but never any tears until now sitting on the plane of all places in public with people sitting next to me and I get to not the last page of Dan Slot stuff but the first page of the Christos Gage uh, follow-up like the kind of epilogue that he delivered and this is not a spoiler the page where Peter goes and embraces Aunt May pulls her out of the cab and just wraps his arms around her and just says I love you I crumpled I crumpled and two tears came out of each eye. So two uh, <laughs> on the left and on the right. And the person sitting next to me was like, are, are you okay? Are you, are you leaving someone in New York? And I was like, no, it's just, I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> it's beautiful. So um, I really, really enjoyed, uh, I, I can't, I've said it so many times, Superior Spider-Man has been a, a, a to be cheesy, a thrill ride. Ah, it's selling great adventure. Um, fantastic. I was disappointed with one aspect of it, and that's the reveal of the Green Goblin. Um, not as rewarding as I would have hoped, and um, a little, I don't want to say stupid, but just... It was a little stupid. It was a little stupid. Yeah. I was disappointed to find out that he was a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, whatever. Hopefully, they'll, they'll do more with that uh, when Peter comes back. Uh, next, I got to read, finally, Silver Surfer Requiem that had been, you know, championed by both Stephanie and Bobby on the podcast the last couple months. And wow, um, really, after reading Spider-Man, I was convinced that I was going to be a sobbing, uh, f- like, fetal-positioned mess. I did not end up that way. But what a absolutely beautiful, beautiful story. What a beautiful book. I mean, absolutely gorgeous. The, the art by Isad Ribic is just out of this world. 
um, I was really kind of shocked by just how involved I became with the character. It was really, really amazing to see where he came from, see the people that he cares about. And um, I like that not all of the story, I mean, he was going around to different characters, but that it, like this, the Spider-Man story, uh, for example, I'm running out of time. Yeah. Damn it. It was really awesome. <laughs> I'm not going to have enough time to talk about the love bunglers. Maybe I should save it for next time. Yeah. Okay. You have 20 seconds if you want to give a quick. All right. Just tease it. If you guys love a true-to-life story about love and how complicated love is, Jamie Hernandez, The Love Bunglers, imagine being a fly on the wall for somebody that's... <laughs> you guys are killing me. <laughs> 30 years of characters, 30 years of somebody's life. Love is complicated. I'll talk about it again sometime next week. Love hurts. This lightning love stinks. Is, lightning around is rough. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Not not the greatest debut, but I'll, yeah, I'll, you, I'll, you were doing fine. Yeah. I'll get it. I said too much about the plane ride. <laughs> Whatever. I really, I, I honestly, I want to collect my thoughts a little bit more on the Love Bunglers because it really mm. is worth talking about in depth uh, for a little bit. Really happy to get the Silver Surfer Requiem and Spider Man stuff out there, though. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm going to borrow that Requiem. Oh, here you go. Yeah. Because Rob didn't have all the issues. Remember, mm. he had, no, he, he had, was missing yep. number two. Mm. Yeah, and they fooled me because they have alternate covers. So yeah. I found an alternate cover, and I'm like, "Yeah, there it is." No, <laughs> no, it's not. No, no, no. Let's <laughs> see if I can recommend a book that makes every single person who picks it up cry. Yeah, that book made my it just pulverized. I me. had chest pains. Yeah, I had, <laughs> oh, I, had yeah. I had chest pains. I did not cry. I already got my tears out for Spider Man. <laughs> oh, I was I was watching. Oh, the two Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies mm-hmm. basically in tears through half of them. So yeah, I think this will. Um, <laughs> I told Rob yesterday, I was hanging out with him in the shop and I told him about the whole Spider-Man thing and how I, I actually cried. And he just, he put his hand over his heart and he goes, I'm so happy that it was a Spider-Man book. <laughs> that finally broke you. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, I, uh, Bob, by the way, I do love that you said the two Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. there's three of them, but we, we don't yes, speak of the third the, the one. The third, because uh, I just watched that this morning. Oh, really? <laughs> My, uh, for, cried for a different reason. For 40 minutes, it's, it's yeah, okay. The it's, beginning is good. Yeah. yeah, the beginning is good. I remember seeing that movie in the theater and being like, I don't get what people are so are complaining about. I, this first 40 minutes is really good. And then it all just disappears. Yes. It all just goes down the tank. My friend Logan posted on Facebook. He said, uh, now begins my Spider-Man marathon. And it was the first two movies. And then Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. That's a good and idea. the third one was missing. It was like, good form, <laughs> sir. Good, good form, indeed. That's right. For all I've said, and I really love Andrew Garfield and mm. Emma Stone, but putting myself <sighs> back into the mind frame of, wow, this is, this is really early. These are yeah. more than 10 years ago. Yeah. They got so much right. Yeah, they did. Did they you see did. the Jimmy Fallon and Emma Stone lip sync battle? No. Yes. no. Oh, I watched great. that last oh, night. My it was God, like sending dude. it to everybody. As if there were not enough reasons to love her. Yeah. She is just a firecracker. <laughs> I love, she's amazing. He's great too. I yeah. never had like much respect for Jimmy Fallon mm-hmm. until he got his show. And he's owned that thing. Yeah, yeah. He, he does a great job. He does. I still don't really love, like, you know, I, I don't watch it religiously, but I do enjoy, you know, the lip sync battle stuff. And, mm-hmm. like, I will watch segments. Mm-hmm. That Emma Stone one was, like, hands down the best one they've ever done. Mm-hmm. She, like, Jimmy Fallon and, like, spoilers, she wins. But, like, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon was just, like, I'm not even going to make people try and judge this because, like, she straight yeah. up won. Yeah, she throws, she throws the gauntlet down. When she was singing that second song and she would look up at the camera that's on the ceiling. Oh, my God. I was dying. Yeah. I was, like, at home. The guy in the basement who was probably eating sugar crisps at the time 
my apartment smelled like sugar Can't candles. Anyways, I was like crazy. laughing. It was like 3 a.m. and I was like dying. <laughs> That's awesome. It's amazing. You, I know like off topic, but if you love that video, obviously it's really look up Jimmy Fallon, Emma Stone, uh, lip sync battle. But there's another one from when she was on Ellen. Oh, that one's awesome. Yep. yep. Was that the one she was stare? dancing by? I saw yeah, that dancing one. Dancing yeah. yeah. But for anyone else who doesn't know, like she, yeah, she does. Ellen dares her to like go up to other guests and people like at the studios and just like dance behind them. And she, like, she yeah. does like full on like challenge accepted mode. <laughs> and then like, she's the best. Yeah. I want to be her and Jennifer Lawrence's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> we can all just like hang out and like talk about cats and stuff. That would like, I would die happy. <laughs> all right. Eat junk food. Well, Stephanie, we're going to move on from Emma Stone and go to your section of the lightning round. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Lightning round. Go. I totally haven't read very much this week, so I only have one thing to really say. And because it's lightning round, I'm going to talk about cats. <laughs> so it's another webcomic. I don't know who sent it to me, but like after I talked about Business Cat last week, somebody awesome. sent me Breaking News Cat. Or sorry, Breaking Cat News. And it's like a webcomic, and it's breakingcatnews.com, all one word. And it's like these little cats that are sitting at a news desk and they just like tell ordinary news but like from cat perspective like of course you know the one cat's like here is the news you know the cats. headline is the cat is in the window in the backyard again and you know there's like two cats and are like elvis what's the latest and there's a cat on scene and he's at his house and there's like a cat yowling outside <laughs> he's like I made myself bigger, but he won't go away. And the cat outside's like, hey. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> like the cat's tail keeps on getting puffier. It's like when they see outside cats, they get really weird. <laughs> oh, man. Stephanie loves cats. She does. If you, get, you guys didn't know. <laughs> this comic is just like the best thing ever. And basically, the cats just get really angry at the cat outside, which is like just really excited to see them. Um, and they post all the time. But it's just ridiculous stuff, you know, like the headlines. The woman is trying to make the bed. There's a moth outside the window. The woman in the room we can't get into. Woman is using a laptop. The vacuum <laughs> is out. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> and oh, they're exactly what you would expect. Like, you know, for the vacuum is out, the cats are like not at the desk because they're hiding. And <laughs> the cat that's on scene is like, <laughs> clinging to its person and it's just like nope 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 it's the best <laughs> you still have a minute left if you want to keep going <laughs> I'm just gonna keep laughing <laughs> and their logo is CN and it's a world but the world is a ball of yarn <laughs> of course uh, so it's drawn by uh, Georgia Dunn and it's actually based on her real cats that are named Elvis, Puck, and Lupin. Wow. Lupin, Lupin the cat. I like the Lupin uh-huh. So One of my favorite Harry Potter characters. And, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, like, I'm just being ridiculous about all these cat things. And it's just kind of a coincidence that they keep on kind of... I've been having a cat month, but... Or lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's be, let's, but be, honestly, let's be clear. Honestly, so funny. Breakingcatnews.com. All one word. Hilarious. All right. Well, is it the year of the cat, perhaps? Uh, I don't know. News at mealtime. It's it's always the year of the cat for Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The lifetime of the cat. All right. So you, you finished with about 10 seconds left, Stephanie. Good job. Yes. All right. <laughs> Mind you, like, 
45 seconds of that was laughing. It's true. It's true. Um, all right. So I'm going to go next, Bob. You're going to okay. go, go last on this one. I, I'm making a little switcheroo here with one of the books. I moved Ooh. one of my lightning round books to books of the week and one of my books of the week to the lightning <gasps> round. Whoa. Living Can't dangerously. Living dangerously here. You didn't vote. Mainly because one of the books is, has to do with the listener question, so I don't want to spend double the amount of time talking oh. about it that we're going to talk about it. All right. So... Here we go. Lightning round, go. All right, so Flash number 30. Um, new creative team on the Flash. Uh, Robert Venditti, um, who does Exo Man of War and also writes Green Lantern, along with Van Jensen, um, who I believe co-writes Green Lantern Core with Robert Venditti, um, and with art by Brett Booth. And uh, I believe colors by Norm Ratmund, or it's either colors or inks. I'm not sure how DC does it with the the on the cover names. Um He's an anchor. He's an anchor. Norm Rapman is the anchor. Uh, so this is a whole new creative team, um, and it is important because it marks the entrance of Wally West into the DC New 52. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the issue is played kind of like a surprise. Uh, however, uh, because of everything we heard leading up to it, everyone knows that Wally West is in it. So there's there's a moment that happens here. We're going to talk. There's a bit of a controversy that sprung up around the book yeah. um, because Wally is half black in the book so there was there was a big uh, stir up about Uh-oh. it yeah so we're gonna talk about that a little bit later because we got a listener question a listener statement actually that it says things very very well about how he feels about this but the book itself is is actually really really good um we're dealing with kind of a time a time displacement story here um where the flash is losing time and it happens a little bit in that story where his watch is suddenly is a couple minutes behind or a couple minutes ahead and then we get a flash forward to another story, which is like 20 years later. And basically kind of the world has gone to crap. So we don't know yet what exactly is going to happen, you know, with, with the flash with Wally here, but it seems like the story of Barry trying to right a wrong and trying to save, uh, this teenager that died, uh, on his watch. It's the fallout of Forever Evil, but they do a good job of kind of not spoiling anything because that story isn't over yet. Obviously, yeah. uh, we know the Flash is going to be alive, but I don't think that's a uh, a big a big what <laughs> that that the Flash is going to be alive for it. Uh, but I think the, also I like the art a lot. Um, Brett Booth is kind of a hit or miss artist for me, but I think he does a, a really uh, nice a really nice Flash, like a good movement. Um, you know, just it, it looks good on 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 the on the page. So I'm looking forward to see where this goes. Um, big shoes to fill from the Butch the the Butchelato Manipole run, but I think it it starts starting out very well. And really quickly, the last thirty seconds because we mentioned every single month, uh, Daredevil yeah. number two, um, awesome again, dealing more with kind of the deeper history of San Francisco and this character who is was once a hero but is now kind of gone insane he's kind of batman if batman was at the the worst possible version of himself he watched his parents die and he's kind of and he's slowly become more and more psychotic as it's gone along to the point where he's like kidnapping people and, and, and stuff like that so that's what's going on there it's a little bit it's the typical mark way does t- tackles dark material in, in, in a in kind of a not super dark way but it's awesome pick it up it's daredevil Look at that. Right on, <laughs> spot on time. Look at that. Yeah, there were a lot of complaints about Brett Booth's art mm-hmm. coming in, and yeah. I scanned through it, and Flash is not the easiest character to get right. There are yeah. a lot of artists who don't. He's mm-hmm. lith. Yeah. It's obviously in motion, a lot of effects, you know, blurring yeah. and whatever. I didn't yeah. strike me as, oh, what, why is 
this the flashpoint yeah no pun intended i've always kind of been with him i feel like he's this good medium between kind of the hyper like the kind of the hyper style of kind of the more muscular artists and and the and the very kind of indie artistic style of some yeah, of the others. Perfect, I think he's yeah. like right in the middle between those two things. Because some of the quiet moments are really yeah, nice. They're very done. nice. Yeah. There's sometimes where I think his faces are a little bit weird. I don't love all his faces, but I think all the action is great and I love the way he draws the flash in motion. I think it looks great. It's uh, really cool. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited about it. It was really good. And, it, and you can jump on here, I think, and not have to know the previous stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very cool. Um, all right. So let's move into our actual book of the week segment. No. Wait, no, no. Bob's got it. Oh, go. Bob, I'm sorry. I'm always going last when I do this stuff, but I, I don't know. Sorry, Bob. Oh, that's At okay. least you forgot you for once and not me. Yeah. No offense, Bob. That's okay. I, I, I wear that hair shirt. Well, don't <laughs> <worry>. <laughs> all right, Bob, you have three minutes on the clock. It's lightning round, lightning round. Go. Okay, I'm going to start with something you haven't heard me talk about lately because I'm not enjoying it. It's Fantastic Four number three, James Robinson, Leonard Kirk. As with the other two, there's a moment or two that's really nice. You get Sue and the FF kids and Namer on a road trip and the home of the Gigantos. And that's about it. The rest of it's kind of dour, including a Ben-Alicia scene that should sing, and it sort of doesn't. I'm disappointed, but I'm still buying mm. Also from James Robinson, though, that is all the things that Fantastic Four isn't is all new Invaders number four. Uh, we still have 10 up the Pursuer. She's got the Invaders captured on the Halla homeworld of the Cree. They're there to save Namer. And you get a lovely flashback to a World War II thing with Master Man and Warrior Woman, where they're all prisoners of the bad Nazi superheroes. And yeah, oh, your, your friend, the fish man, he just ran away because he's a coward. Well, I don't think so, says Captain America. Namer shows up in a two page spread with gigantic sea monsters <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, cool. just, and just take out all the bad guys. No, nice. See, you just can't beat this. this Steve Pugh, very classic art style, and that's all new invaders. Moving to that, since we're talking old-fashioned stuff, in 2009, Marvel did for their 70th mm. anniversary a series of 10 plus 1, because 1 is a reprint of the original Marvel Comics 1, and then 10... Old, old title, so it's Human Torch, Miss America, All Winter Squad, with people like Scott Snyder doing a Human Torch story, uh, Javier Polito doing an All uh, actually he's doing the Blonde Phantom from All Select, which is cool because she was eventually a supporting character in John Byrne's She-Hulk. Oh, okay. She was actually her secretary, who she discovered she had gotten kind of chunky over the years because as she explains to Jen, when you're not in comics, you age. <laughs> <laughs> so she needs desperately to get back into comics <laughs> so she can do it. But we had some really neat stories in here where the, there's an all-winners squad, which is their sort of justice society, where it's Madeline, uh, Miss America, and the Wizard, Bob Frank, and it's zombies and the dead Captain America. The Cap book is actually a pre-origin Cap story. Uh, Submariner and Betty Dean, his human contact. Really lovely stories. These have all been collected in a gorgeous hardcover, and I think there is a trade at this point. Mm. But the other 10 all have reprints. And a new retro story. The Miss America book is a very, it's Jan Van Meter. It's a Rosie the Riveter, Rosie the Riveter story set in a, with fifth columnist spies in a war plant. And you get a wizard story. <laughs> it's the wizard. That, that's it for me. Nice, Bob. Uh, did I make it? You made it fine, yeah. You made it with 24 seconds left. Nice. I got like through 10 books. I, I know. could barely get it through two of them. <laughs> Bob's a pro. I know. I got to work on my game. I got to step it up. Bob's a pro. <laughs> All right, now, so that's the end of the lightning round. Now we'll move to regular Book of the Week segment. And you know what, Bob? Let's stay with you. You're warmed oh. up. You're ready to go. Okay. Let's go to, let's go to your Books of the Week. 
What do you got for us? Where would you like to begin? Let's begin with, let's begin with the new. Okay. So yeah, so we now this is or is it the end of Act One or we were one more in this first act, and I think it will be collected. It's Empire of the Dead number four, George A. Romero and Alex Malieve. and we continue to build. In, and this, in a world of Walking Dead, and we have revival and Rachel Rising and TV shows, and everyone's coming back from the resurrection and so on and so forth. George A. Romero is the zombie king. Yes, he's, he is. You know, it was around in the 30s and 40s, but he started this whole thing. And I was unsure moving in that this would be something that would work. And it really, really does. You have, it's five years or so after the original Night of the Living Dead movie even had a flashback in that first issue. And it's a it's Empire that because it's set in New York City. That is now separated out. It's, it's the usual Romero political... We have the, the haves and the have-nots. In this case, we had a re- revelation early on that the haves, the ruling class here, are vampires. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I looked at it and went, oh, no, George, not, <laughs> not vampires. I'm thrilled at how that worked out here. Now, what you have also is Dr. Penny Jones, who's tr- trying, as, there was a Dr. Frankenstein in, in Day of the Dead who was trying to tame Bub, if you're if those mm-hmm. who remember those movies. Yeah. Well, she's got the same sort of thing here. She doesn't think she can tame them, but she can. She thinks there's a way to make them manageable, at least. She's got a relationship with a fellow named Barnum, Paul Barnum, who is working for the mayor, who happens to be a vampire, spoiler alert, <laughs> and his son. He's got his eyes on Penny. And this issue, we get uh, some new players. We have uh, Dixie and Ashley coming up from the South, which is why she's wearing this weird outfit of hers. (laughs) And they shoot their way into New York, and we still don't know why. So we've got about four or five stories taking place here, all given equal time. And one of them that's surprisingly heartbreaking, early on we saw a SWAT team member, a policewoman, who's been turned into what they're now calling here stinkers, (laughs) which is just such a great term. (laughs) And she's named Xavier. And... She's, you can see what she's thinking. She's not speaking yet, but she has these weird thought balloons where it's nonsense syllables, nonsense syllables, word in bold, some more nonsense. And it's the fractured thought of someone trying to put it back together. She's actually got a backstory. She's got a story. She meets a little girl. They become sort of traveling companions and friends. And at one point, her, her little thought balloon, I am going to find it. Here it is. Not... Good. I'm not good for children. While she's walking around with her, this is actually heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And this is zombie woman who was a policewoman, <laughs> mm-hmm. realizing the kid needs help, but maybe not from her. Right. Yeah. And still trying to make this happen. This is, it's a zombie book, and yet yet you've got feels going on here. Yeah. It, it's it's amazing how well he's just kind of it, uh, adapted to the comic book medium. Mm. Um, it's really excellent. It's a really excellent book, and the art is oh, Alex Believe is Ugh. yeah creepy, beautiful. Yeah. you name it. This is yeah. It's a it's a. I was buying because it, it was Romero. I yeah. had no expectations that he could write a comic book, mm-hmm. but obviously he can write movies. This, right. this is a storyboard. Yeah, I want to see this movie. Is yeah, now absolutely. what I want to do because yeah. this is so far above what we're seeing. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be a great miniseries or something on HBO. That's what I feel like it would be. It would be Ooh. great for. Yeah, it's it's really it's. It's great, and I think if people are not reading it because they're zombied out, I totally understand that feeling. Because I, if it hadn't been Romero, I had that same that same feeling to it. But I think it's definitely worth yep. a, a read. It 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 does different things. It does the things that he is so good at doing 
in this time in comic book form. Yeah, it's all about the characters. Yeah. There's scares, there's horror. Mm-hmm. There's a bad scene in the subway, for instance, here. Yeah. Look, zombies who aren't thinking as well as Xavier is, and there's a new thinking zombie named Little John. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of danger in the subway, is all I'm saying. You should maybe be down there and not look where you're going. Right. <laughs> Could be a problem. Now, I believe the trade for this comes out in July Okay. for the first arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, look, I, and people might be waiting for that as well, but if... I think you should definitely pick it up. If you have any interest in this at all, I mean, the art is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. Um, the writing is great. Mm-hmm. It, it does more than a regular zombie story does. I think it's it's a it's a must-buy. If you like any interest in Romero or horror books or anything like that, it's it's really, really great. Cool. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Empire of the Dead 4. Yeah. George Romero, Alex Maleev. All right, now we're going back in time. Yeah, we're going way back, and <laughs> the the actual book is sitting here. Because we did... Original Sin this week, and we saw a little bit of The Watcher. Yes. I, I have here The Watcher's first appearance. Da-da-da. Which is Fantastic Four number, six, number 13 from April of 1963, and he even gets a little yellow box on the cover. Also, in this spellbinding tale, you will meet the most dramatic being of all time. <laughs> the, the mysterious Watcher hmm. in big red letters. They use the word dramatic? Yes, well, it's Stan. Of course he's... Here you go. Here, hold it. Hold it. Oh, I hate holding your really old and in almost perfect condition (laughs) comics. Fantastic Four number 13. Now, uh, interesting that issue, because what we have here, it's Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and inked by Steve Ditko. Hmm. Which didn't happen very much, even even, even way back then. Oh, you weren't going to hurt any. And... uh, (laughs) They collaborated a few times on monster books. One, one weird one was uh, there's some prototypical Marvel characters the way Henry Pym was the man in the anthill before they actually called him Henry Pym. In Amazing Adventures, number one, there's a, there's a story called I Am the Fantastic Dr. Droom. <laughs> and it's, it's Stan, Jack, and Steve all together but for the first time. And he would become Dr. Druid who ended up in the Avengers. He, he was a mystical investigator kind of character but months before fantastic four one they had him in these books okay anyway um we the the story opens with reed in his lab and he's blown the whole place up because he's he's found a new power source and he wants to go to the moon and it's some meteor (laughs) and the thing does things not very happy with having the lab blown up and stuffs reed into a jar because they're not gonna let him go to the moon (laughs) (laughs) And at the same time, actually, the, the, the panel reads, let's see, uh, but at that moment, <laughs> we get Ivan Kragoff. You got to remember, this is the middle of the Cold War, uh, who's a Russian scientist who is training a group of apes, a gorilla, an orangutan, and a baboon, okay. to be his crew, because they'll obey blindly. And he's going to get to the moon. Reed wants to go to the mysterious blue area of the moon, which he's found and nobody else has, apparently, because he's Reed Richards. So what Kragoff wants to do, he has a ship that he has purposely not shielded from cosmic radiation because he wants to get superpowers too. And so he has, he has apes with him so he can have his own super team. So we get this wonderful sort of race as the two ships take off at the same time. Some lovely you know, art, of course, by Jack. And the apes end up with their own weird superpowers. The gorilla is just strong. And that's, you know, you expect he's a gorilla. The orangutan has magnetic powers like Magneto, and the baboon can change himself into anything he wants, <laughs> which is all kind of kind of interesting. But then we get to the moon, where there's some there's some fighting going on. The blue area turns out to have a city and an atmosphere, 
the red ghost is around with his apes, big fight with the thing, and we go on in that, and all of a sudden, the Watcher, chap, part three, the Watcher appears. <laughs> the Watcher is not very happy. He also is very scary looking here, mm-hmm. and is not happy at having his home invaded. You get a little sto- backstory about his home planet filled with computers and all it is and what they're going to do. And he doesn't want this fight going. It's like, you can have your warfare on Earth. I don't care. You don't bring it into my living room. Go somewhere else. Sends him off. More big fighting. I'm not going to ruin this whole story, even after 50 years. But the Watcher would break this vow of his repeatedly. (laughs) It was right there. Oh, we're just here to observe and get lost. What we have is within six months later, he's showing up to wonder about the Molecule Man. Mm Mm-hmm. Nine months after that, it's the Red Ghost has reappeared, and it started on Yancey Street, <laughs> where uh, Ben gets a you know a, a letter that he, has, he should go down and meet the, the kids who used to taunt him as a as a teenager or whatever, and it's not. It's actually the Red Ghost, and they kidnap him into space, and they end up at the Watcher's house again. The Watcher. It was very interesting what Stan did. He just, he just kept using him without ever telling you what it was he was about, what his origin was. The same way with Doctor Strange. He went from appearance to appearance, but who is he? What is he? They started a little uh, strip called Tales of the Watcher that was in the, it was the backup to Iron Man and Tales of Suspense before Cap started in that book. And they actually did tell you his origin in an issue that is now very, very expensive, but it's not because it has the Watcher in it. It's the first Black Widow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that now goes for big bucks and... I know of a store that I frequent that someone just stole it. Oh, yeah, it was out there. And what? Ba- why is there this empty bag in the store and oh in the middle God. of the tales of suspenses? And it's Ugh. like, well, we were trying to sort out what it was, and it's well, Ugh. it's probably where that one is. Yeah, the Watcher is actually from a planet where they have... The Watcher is one of the most powerful beings in the Marvel Universe, up there with... He's more powerful than Galactus, probably. Because hmm. when they finally meet up in FF48 and 50, he's toe-to-toe hmm. with them. He's going to... And he he keeps helping. Their origin is they were a, a civilization that had really advanced. And it's the Watcher's father, who's... A, our Watcher is Uatu, but his father is named Emnu. Mm-hmm. I think Stan, that's all in here. All in the original sin number really zero. Is, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. I think I think Stan was uh, had gas. <laughs> is really where these names came from, <laughs> and they're trying to give their genius and altruistically pass along technology and and knowledge to other civilizations, and they bring nuclear power to this this planet. Now you can have hospitals and power and and homes, and you you'll have light forever. And the Watchers leave. They turn themselves back into energy and shoot themselves back into space. And these guys start building missiles and blow each other up. Yeah. And that's where they decide, no, we can't do this anymore. We need to back away. Yeah, that's exactly what happens in original okay. sin number zero. Yeah, the Mark, w- Mark Wade and uh, Jim Chung. Yeah. Then the Our Watcher would eventually actually act as Reed Richards' lawyer. <laughs> During the burn era, Galactus dies. He actually gets, he gets beaten by the Fantastic Four and the Avengers. And Doctor Strange makes him... Makes Galactus see all the souls he's eaten and killed. Oh, and it wow. drives him insane, and he can be taken down, and he's dying. Reed Richards saves him. Has Thor save him. He can't die. He's part of the fabric of the universe. If he dies, everything goes with him. Hmm. The rest of the universe isn't so thrilled with Reed Richards. <laughs> Probably not. So they, <laughs> they, they drag him off into space to put him on trial. And the Watcher 
stands up for him for mm. all. So the watch is such a great character. Actually, in that issue also is John Byrne, mm. since in the books he was drawing the book. Mm. Since they have a real comic, so I I'm I, I bring all this crazy Watcher stuff up today because the original sin is out, and I'm I'm sad that they may hmm. lose our Watcher. Yeah, I mean, the, it's Mark Wade and Jim Chung is the original sin number zero, and it was good. It, it you know it didn't didn't blow me away, but it's funny. It, it, it's it doesn't surprise me that Mark Wade basically told the exact origin the exact way it, it was. Um, the the interesting thing about this and the and the the emotional thing about this is at the end. I don't know, Steve, if you had read it or not. I haven't had the chance yet. No. Um, it's it's Nova going to meet with the Watcher. That's what the whole story is about, and, and they're they're trying to figure something out. And he and the Nova Nova wants to know, you know, the Watcher shows up, and the Avengers are kind of like, oh, he showed up. He's done. You know, he's there for a reason. He, uh, uh, he's always watching us. And Nova asks, well, why? Why does he? Why is he always watching? There's got to be a reason. Oh, well, that's just what, what he does yeah. it. And Nova isn't satisfied with that. So he's a kid. He wants it. Exactly. That's not true because they say, they say, um, no one's ever thought to ask. Oh, that's true. That's right. That's That's true. Great line. That's true. (laughs) And so he speeds up there to, to the moon and you get this, you know, really emotional. You get this, the backstory you spoke Mm -hmm. about and, and the reasoning behind why he's constantly searching and constantly looking, and constantly looking through every single parallel universe, and, and watching so hard, um, and it's a real. I don't want to spoil it because if, if people haven't read it, it's a, it's a very, I think, a very touching moment at the end of the book mm-hmm. um, between Nova and and the Watcher. Um, well, the issue where he right. first actually gets his name is it's Captain Marvel thirty nine, which I have around here somewhere. We there he is, and it's the trial of the Watcher where they go through all this again, and he describes how these heroes on Earth who strive so hard to protect their planet and do all these things they do just touch that part of him that mm-hmm. once was there. Yeah. And yeah. they're sort of his friends. And right, that's, yeah. <laughs> and that's touching this big, bald guy who's... Actually, he's, he's changed so much in appearance. Sometimes he's a big, burly fella. And that's been explained over the years. He can appear however he wants, whatever is necessary, to make the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. Way yeah. to go! Yeah, I mean the art in the in original Sin Zero is stunning too, but Jim Chung is always has. Yeah, just I, I love that backstory beautiful. of every character ever yeah. in one page. I'm sure. I'm sure Mark Wade would say, "Make sure you put this in. Yeah. Make sure you put that." in. <laughs> Absolutely. So, is that a worth owning? You think, even if I'm not going to buy the rest of the series? If you love the Watcher, probably. Yeah, I think it's a good Watcher story. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, um, that's yeah. it for me. All right, Steve. Hello. Books of the week. So let's talk about uh. Let's talk about Electra, number one. So good. Um, written um, by Hayden Blackman. Yeah, written by Hayden Blackman with art by Mike Del Mundo, who's uh, responsible for so many amazing uh, art covers, uh, comic book covers. And now you get to see him in full-blown glory on this absolutely, you said it earlier in reference to another book, but just a drop-dead Gorgeous, gorgeous comic. Uh, and also um, on colors, it's Mike Del Mundo with Marco D'Alfonso. Um, so Electra, Warrior Ninja, Assassin. This is the, uh, usually when I go to Canada, I don't pick up my pull list. I wait to come back to go to tour comics. Uh, this is the one book that I absolutely could not wait to pick up. I bought it when I was out there. Uh, being a huge uh, Mike Del Mundo fan and big fan of uh, W. Hayden Blackman. And one of my most anticipated books of the uh, all-new Marvel now-now point now (laughs) that's going on. And uh, I was not disappointed by this. So far, the story is – the setup is very simple. 
we have uh, Electra, who is you, you get a lot of her uh, like little snippets of her backstory. I was very surprised to kind of Hayden Blackman managed to kind of sum up her history and her character within the span of about four pages. And I learned a couple of things about her that I didn't know. Like some of the some of the lines here are uh, instead I only see reflections that someone uh, someone to belong to someone else, someone's girlfriend, someone's daughter, someone's student, someone's slave, someone's victim, someone's heartbreak. And it goes through all these gorgeous panels of her with the kingpin and her with Matt Murdock and her doing battle against these other people and. You know, I ne- I know next to nothing about Electra. I saw the Bob likes it. I saw the the crappy movie. <laughs> I see I see an iconic drawing in the middle right page there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the famous Frank Miller. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bullseye stuff, and um, I mean, we always talk about clever ways of delivering art and delivering panels, especially. And I mean, my God, this book it reminded me of. Um, we were reading Fearless Defenders. The uh, remind me, Bob. What was the name of the character, the dancer? Oh, oh, I know. The, I with, the, with the with the the ribbons and yeah. and her name eludes me. Yeah, it eludes me too. Um, we get a couple pages of uh, Electra basically doing this ballet dance, this like ninja ballet, and there's swaths of like ribbons coming off of her outfit that kind of. Uh, shift into blood by the time that the pattern ends and each of the panels are different loops and different curves in the blood and in the ribbons and it's just absolutely gorgeous Um, the setup is that she is I guess trying to reaffirm who she is and she needs she needs a contract she needs something to do and she goes to uh, a friend or her contact and basically she asks her to go against or to go after a well-known assassin who is kind of a like an urban legend his his murders and his his record is so staggering that he's become almost a ghost within within the industry if there is an assassin's industry i don't know <laughs> um his name is cape crow and the ver- the very idea of anyone going after him at all is like ludicrous. Um, and basically this job gets put to Electra and she decides that if, you know, I'm going to do something, I'm going to do this because I'm going to be the one to take this person out. And so we leave her and this is where the book got a little weird for me. I'm reading through and I'm following it and I'm really enjoying the atmosphere, enjoying, you know, learning about the character. And then almost without warning, the book completely shifts perspectives and shifts narrative and shifts over to a different character named the serpent who is also an assassin. And I mean, this guy is just nasty. He's like this like spectral demon assassin. That's wearing this almost like a, uh, like a four eyed lion's head. And he's got the, like this tribal staff looking thing as a weapon. And he uh, basically, lives in almost inside of his head, inside of a fantasy world that he calls the Never Never. And he's completely deluded, but you get to see him in action as you move throughout the book, and holy shit, man, he <laughs> is dangerous. He's just taking guys out left and right, got a really uh, kind of mysterious but still cool backstory about him, and we come to find out that both him and Electra are going after Cape Crow. They're going after the same person. 
And uh, by the time the book ends, we are headed towards Monster Island. And I mean, for anybody that's read this book, you've seen it. Um, I don't want to downplay the the great writing from uh, Hayden Blackman, but I mean, the art for me is is where this book shines. This book is every single page is it's almost like um, J. H. Uh, Williams Bat- yeah. Batwoman. Yes, like the first our first and second arcs of Batwoman. Um, this is right up there with that. A uh, little, a little bit of Dexter Soy color wise, but um, just gorgeous. The idea of there being several issues with Mike Del Mundo on this book has me super, super excited. What he's already done with just let's say four characters within this one issue, the idea that we're off to someplace called Monster Island and he's going to get to draw all these—I'm assuming—draw these creatures and and of myth and legend and and just these grotesque things i cannot wait uh to see that Mm. um very intriguing very strong start to yet another uh female-led book from marvel that in this uh all new point now they've been killing it Mm. between black widow ms marvel captain marvel electra i mean if i'm leaving anybody she hulk Hulk, there Mm. you go um yeah just a a really strong effort from them to to put you know the ladies of marvel on the map and give them really really strong starts and uh just it might sound cheesy but i'm like i'm proud of them for doing that and it's uh it's really cool to see the company taking a strong stand to make these characters worth your money and and worth your reading time yeah and um very excited anybody else it's gorgeous seventy do you read it did what you think? And I was just about to say too. Monster Island is actually like a place in the Marvel universe. Starts like in it's a, Fantastic, yeah, Fantastic Four, Four number Four, one. Number one is its first <laughs> appearance. Yep. Ooh. Look at Stephanie bringing out the knowledge. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I knew something. <laughs> cha cha cha. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a actual like place. I guess it would be like if you're familiar with it. It's still cool even if you don't. Yeah. I mean, it's called Monster Island. Well, right? I mean, I, I assume that it was a place that already existed, but I mean. I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm like, just dropping knowledge. Just dropping, hey. dropping the knowledge bombs. What do you think of the actual book, though, Stephanie? I really liked it. I thought it was great. I think, you know, I don't know, like, Marvel, I don't care if Marvel was just trying to play, like, the one-up game on DC or how all, all these female books came up. Like, whether this is just a big, like, them waving their middle fingers at DC <laughs> being like, yeah, we're getting all the market you guys aren't picking up on, but I love it. I think it's so great. I, I thought it was really powerful. The art was phenomenal and especially the colors i think the colors really um evoke a lot of like the tone and emotion that's coming through in the story like you know like there's a lot of color theories and studies that you know they tell us that when we see the color red or blue or whatever like you know it automatically makes us think of something and i feel like a lot of that color theory kind of plays into effect in the telling of his story because you know when um she's talking about sad times in her life and all this stuff. Like it's very drab. It's almost like a rainy day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the background is very like washed. And I, I think the colors and the art and everything just like is superb. And the story is really interesting. And, you know, um, I, I haven't really, again, outside of the movies, <laughs> I, I don't think I've really like read any, I don't think I've read any Electra. Um, or anything like that. And I've just started getting into Daredevil. So 
I'm, I'm thrilled. I think this is great. That's yeah. another thing that I really liked about it is that it's actually, it's paying attention to other stuff going on. It's like, it is a solo story or a solo title, but it's paying attention to what's happening in Daredevil right now. Um, the bullseye stuff, especially, it was really nice that they didn't jump ahead mm. and do well, something with him. Um, but Stephanie, I actually have a question for you. Yes. Uh, the question is the matchmaker, the woman that she gets her, her contract from, how much did you love her design? Like oh, the, the, like like the 1920s? Yeah, kind of, like the, the bell hat and the boa and the, the yes. gloves. I really liked it. I liked kind of um, the mystique kind of surrounding her too, you know, mm-hmm. when she says things like, I'm a lot older than I look and yeah, all this stuff. Like I, I thought she was a really interesting character to introduce and – Again, I don't know much about her, uh, but I think all of the characters were really well brought into this universe. And, you know, I, I know that they, they're playing off what else is happening, but I think a large part of Electra itself, like the book, plays off of what they assume people would know about her, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. from the movies and things like that. And, you know, they're introducing, I mean, like, Bullseye is obviously probably the uh, daredevil bad guy. Yeah. But at the same time, they're not, you know, like they're 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 introducing, you know, new characters. If you haven't read Electra before, but they're also giving you tidbits that you might have known from if all you've ever seen are the movies. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And the and the villain, I believe, is brand new. Yeah, yes, Cape Crow, I think, so. I think is 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 a brand new villain. Is um uh, the the serpent also? I don't know that. I don't know. They, uh, I, that I've one, never, was, I think. Yeah, Bob. I think that's all new. <laughs> Got me but, on that one. Yeah, I think it's all new. I think that 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 character and the main villain are both all new mm-hmm. characters, which I think is great. Like you know, again, and I, I keep, we keep bringing this up because there are so many you know number ones right now um, from Marvel, especially. But the whole idea of a great number one just is constantly going through my mind when I'm reading these new issues. And I think again, this was like a really good example of how to do a number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I Indeed. think you're absolutely right. Yeah, it was great stuff. I've never, I, I like Electra. I've I've never read a ton of stuff yeah. w- with her before. I think it's amazing. I, I, they didn't change her costume at all, but it doesn't look revealing at all either. It's it's weird. It's, they do a very. I guess it's because of the style of the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool kind of line to walk there. It's gorgeous. I think, yeah. I think with the costume. You know, like she has like the the scene, the big uh, full page panels where she's doing like the da- the ribbon. Yeah. Uh, gymnastics and it kind of gives her the feeling of being an athlete not yes a skimpy superhero right. yeah yeah it's like it's almost it almost comes off like you said like an athlete or like a dancer's outfit or something like that yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely like it looks i mean aside from maybe like the um her like bandana thing mm-hmm. i don't know what you would call that but um bandana ribbon uh <laughs> it's it's basically you know like a dance costume and yes. I, I said what is happening on my roof <laughs> reindeer yeah it's christmas oh <laughs> well there might be loud noises folks i think my landlord's here <laughs> so anyways anyways yes what is happening you were All talking right, about so. her head ribbon thing anyways yeah i think you know aside from maybe that look um i i think she does come across the the outfit does seem very respectful it's not um, purposely skimpy or, you know, showing extra little bit of this or that. Mm-hmm. It, it just, you know, it works. And her proportions are realistic. Yes. Yeah. Also. Um, cool. So that's Electra number one. Yes. Steve. W. Hayden Blackman. 
and Mike Del Mundo. Yeah, and the covers are he did he did the X Men Legacy covers, right? Yeah, that's X Men Legacy covers, the Seekers of the Weird covers. Yeah, um, yeah, really, really fantastic opportunity for him to shine on the interiors and an entire book. Uh, if this doesn't open up people's eyes to his artwork, I don't know what will. I'm sure it will. Yeah. Anybody long, reads it. Yeah. How long is he going to be on? Do we know? We don't know. Um, not sure. Yeah. That looks awfully detailed to yes. be a long-term gig. Yeah, I would say probably an arc, then an arc off, then an arc back on. That's what That's what I would yeah. guess. I mean, this is this is one of the later um, number ones to come out, so hopefully that gave him enough time to you know crank a couple yeah. of them out uh, with any hope, because I'll tell you, if they do switch artists or they get a fill-in artist, it is going to be noticeable. Oh, yes, absolutely. So. absolutely. Unless it's J.H. Williams. Right. Um, so, so. Uh, so, Steve, your, your, your second book here. Storytime. Uh, True Patriot. True Patriot, a book that Stephanie uh, brought to our attention <laughs> several months ago, and I had been uh, on a mission to find it for quite some time and just did not have any luck. So um, I got kind of a little story to go along with this book, um, and I'll, I'll review it and talk to you about it in the process. But So check this out. So uh, as you know, early in the podcast, I went to go visit my girlfriend in Canada. And we had about – we were visiting friends in, um, I guess, a town or a city called Guelph. Is it a town or a city, Steph? It's a city. Okay. So we're in Guelph. We're uh, visiting with her friend. I got to see where she went to college, a whole bunch of stuff. And they inform me that there's a comic book store in town. And I'm like, well, I... Oh, the dragon? Yeah. I'm like, I got to go. So we have about 20 minutes left and we actually make it. And we get down to the dragon and they have a bunch of uh, featured books on their walls, like with every uh, with every new shelf in between other shelves. And I saw a True Patriot. It was, you know, right there. I didn't even look at it. I, I didn't even like look at a price. I know it doesn't have one, but I just picked it up and I was like, holy crap, I'm buying this. This is mine. And uh, I also happened to pick up uh, Nowhere Man. Uh, I found that. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I, I did pick it up and it looks awesome. So I can't wait to get to that. But um, so I pick up True Patriot and we leave and we're going back to, to her friend's place. And I open up the book in the car and I noticed something right away that was rather odd. I open up the first page, and the first page uh, begins this silent comic of this kid walking into a comic book store. And of all comic book stores to be walking into, he's walking into the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. I'm looking at this first panel, and I realize um, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wow, that looks really familiar. It's a kid walking into a comic book store, and he's walking into the dragon and i was i was just there it's literally like the the where the t-shirts are where the figures are where the comics are where the cards and collectibles it is the very shop that i was just in so immediately i'm super excited because i like i felt like i was i was just at the starting point of this book where is this going to go i'll get to the content of the book in a minute but i just want to share with everybody as my trip went on and as I made my way from Toronto and out to uh, London, Ontario, it's a bit of a drive between I stayed in Fitzroy Harbor at the beginning of my trip and made my way all the way to London. It's about six and a half hours in mm. the car. Yeah, it's kind of just huge. Oh, wow. Huge. So um, I got to drive. Like The one thing I do when I'm driving with my girlfriend, we talk, but I'm always staring out the window because I love seeing new places. It's one of my favorite things when I go out there. And... 
we were passing places like James Bay. We were passing Mississauga. We were passing all of these places that as I'm reading this book, as I'm going through this book, I if there were 10 places in this book, I at least drove through or visited eight of them on wow. this trip. So I had a frame of reference for where these things were happening. Like if something was happening in James Bay, I knew what James Bay looked like now. And all of these really, really cool uh, Canadian heroes, Canadian kids, Canadian-based stories that I was like, I was in the heart of it. Mm -hmm. And what was more than that was I happened to be fortunate enough that while I was uh, visiting heroes in London on uh, Wednesday on Comic Day, there happened to be across the street the Ting uh, comic book arts uh, exhibit and festival going on at this uh, cool little art house thing. And they had all these, like Jeff Lemire's artwork, Jay Bone, uh, Jay Stevenson, all these different Canadian-based comics artists, all their work, like original pages. I got to see original pages from Trillium, from Sweet Tooth, from you know a whole bunch of different stuff. And lo and behold, I'm walking around the gallery, and there are original pages from True Patriot hmm. hanging in the gallery. So... Not only did I finally find the book, but the book is essentially following me around f through this entire trip. It was really quite trippy. Um, no pun intended. I just realized what I said. Uh, so to get to the to get to the heart of the book, uh, I will just give you a little bit of a background. Stephanie talked about it a while ago, but this is a book for uh, you know Canadians and Canadians wanting to have heroes of their own, heroes that are not mocked, that are not silly, that are not constantly... That's not the true. There's Girl. <laughs> yes, but it's not... Like, you're, they're not... Canadians are not the butt of all of the jokes. I mean, there are some jokes Pretty in much there. are. What? Basically, all of them are making fun of Canadians, except for maybe the Ogopopo one. Well, it's you got the Blue Noser versus Gold Girl. It's definitely getting made fun of. <laughs> yeah, I feel yes. like that's definitely well, that is. But it's not it's not insulting in any way. I wouldn't think so. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm going to be talking out of turn because I'm not Canadian and we have a Canadian with us. But um, you got some really great stories in here from Howard Wong and uh, Adrian Alfon Alfano, who is the artist of uh, Ms. Marvel. Marvel. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's in here. Agnes Garboska is in here. Jay Torres with Tim Levins uh, does a really, really awesome, uh, like literally Canadian Fantastic Four. It's the family dynamic in a story called Snow Day. Aww. And it, mm -hmm. is, it is the Fantastic Four done Canadian style. Uh, you have Thunder Birch by uh, Andy Bellinger. And uh, just this... Bellinger. Oh, I'm sorry. Damn. Uh, and also a uh, stop in from Superhero Girl versus Canadianness, which was probably my favorite one uh, by Faith Aaron Hicks. Uh, Stephanie talked about it a while ago, but oh my god, the the villains and characters in this one story were hysterical. Uh, every time that I visit Canada, I make it a point to go to Tim Hortons because that's just something that you do when you're in Canada and they have this, the league of villainous Canadian stereotypes. <laughs> you got the lumberjack, the double, double, uh, the double doubles. They're fueled by the power of a thousand Tim Hortons coffees. Um, they're kind of like the super scions of Tim Hortons coffee, uh, brought to Latouk La homie and, uh, the Farley, Farley Mawat. Can you explain that stuff? Uh, if I'm thinking of the right, thing i'm pretty sure he's an author farley mawat yeah. right yeah um 
I'll try and let me see if I can find you. Like, right, yeah, he's an author and an environmentalist. Nice. But Canadian, obviously. But. <laughs> yeah, you've got this really cool hero uh, named Particle Man. A uh, really, really sweet story uh, written and illustrated by Agnes Garboska called Justice Jenny of uh, this little girl who I guess is in preschool or, or kindergarten or such. And she sees, you know, bullying on the playground and takes it upon herself to she's her own superhero. So she's got a cape uh, in her backpack and a T-shirt and gloves. And she just, you know, she keeps the justice and peace on the on the playground. And she has her own dog that she rides, this gigantic <laughs> dog called Justice Doggy. And it's just super, you know, lessons learned, super sweet. And um, I had just a lot of fun with this. Uh, I am not Canadian, but have been visiting for the better part of almost a year and a half now. Uh, and, you know, feel like I'm Canadian by proxy. <laughs> so I was able to get a lot of the jokes and laugh along with it. And like I said, traveling for as many hours as I was in the car and driving through the places where these stories take place it just, it made it, I appreciated the book that much more for it. Mm. Um, I think people just, if you can find it that are casually picking it up to read it, uh, it's a really great lighthearted variety book. If you like quick little stories that are family friendly, feel nice when you're done reading them, you just want something, you know, relaxing and funny to read and nothing, you know, grimy and gritty and, you know, on the edge of your seat. This is definitely something that if you can find someone who has it or maybe find it online and you're interested, uh, it's a super, super charming book. And uh, I'm just I'm so happy that Stephanie brought it up and that I was able to find it. And uh, I'm going to pass this around to a couple of my friends so they can enjoy it. They also have a second volume coming out. Um, it was on do. Kickstarter a little while ago, and I believe it got funded. So. Mm -hmm. Is the Particle it Man story based on the They Might Be Giants song? It is. It is? Awesome. <laughs> Which we listened to in the car, oh, yeah. driving. Yeah, <laughs> my, my girlfriend made a, a mixed CD from like 1997, <laughs> and it was on there. And I said to her, I was like, there's a Particle Man hero in here. There's Owl Man, there's Gull Girl. <laughs> um, and I love the, I love the, these were the pages that I, that I actually, the story here that uh, I saw on the walls. The, my favorite part about it, um, the superhero girl stuff was great. The Justice Jenny stuff was great. But I absolutely loved the, uh, it's called Our Story. And it happens in four parts of the boy going into the dragon and basically going up to the store owner and being like, where's all the Canadian books? And he hands him a couple of stories and like they're lame. And they're, they're not what he's looking for at all. And it inspires the little boy to go and create his own heroes and write his own comics. And he, like, sneaks into the store and stashes them on the shelf and watches the reactions to people. And this guy picks up his book and he, he just – he laughs and he smiles and he's covering his face, you know, with laughter and kind of shaking his head. And the kid just – leaves the story and leaves like feeling on top of the world. Like he's, you know, every superhero standing behind him. Um, really, really inspiring stuff. Very cool. Awesome. Awesome. So that is true Patriot indeed by many, many Canadian, <laughs> uh, comic book artists <laughs> and writers. So, um, speaking of Canadian writers and Canadian stories, we'll go right over to me. Good segue. Just like United number zero, segue. uh, by Jeff Lemire with art by, uh, Mike McCone. Um, so, this book at one time was called Justice League Canada. Um, it's taking over for Justice League of America. Justice League of America is, is, I guess, 
it's still coming out because I think there's one issue left in the kind of the forever evil tie in stuff, but this is taking the place of that book. And so we have a team of animal man, green arrow, star girl, um, is that his name? Is that Adam Savage? Is it Adam, Adam Strange? Strange. Strange. Yeah. Adam Savage is the guy from Mythbusters. Um, <laughs> Martian Manhunter. He'd be a good superhero. Yeah. Huh? And Supergirl. Um, in this story, we deal with um, Adam Strange, Martian Manhunter. Kind of everybody except for Supergirl is in this story. Um, the she's in the background. Yeah, she's she's in the background of this cover, but she's yeah. not in the in the in the in the, in the, the, the like the next the last page is like and next Supergirl. Uh, um, so. This is a story of, you know, Adam Strange coming to Buddy Baker and Stargirl when they're doing a signing of, you know, celebrity superheroes and saying, hey, I have a problem. There's something wrong. I have this machine that's doing really, really weird stuff. You know, I don't know what it means. I need your guys' help. So they go off into uh, the woods where there's like a weird signal coming. It activates and all of a sudden there's kind of like an alien race invading their their world. Um, And... So it's Buddy and Stargirl and the team, you know, trying to help um, Adam Strange figure out what's going on. The, the, it also jumps around a little bit, so you get the idea that we're going to definitely see kind of Ran and, and all of that stuff mm-hmm. with with Adam as well. And it also introduces a, a new character who is an, is a Native American character, or I guess a Native Canadian character, not a Native American yeah. character. <laughs> Native North American. Character. Native North American. Careful now, we got the Canadian police with us. I know, I know. The, I, don't want the, I don't want the hammer to fall on my head. Um, and she seems to be struggling with sort of inner demons, is what it seems. That she has a power in her that is not so nice, uh, that is something that it's the I guess it's the Wendigo, which is kind of a, uh, an, a, 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 a Native Canadian or Native American yeah. legend about this. So it's their beast. Bigfoot. Yeah, basically. But it's it yes, it's kind of it's a very evil, angry beast that <laughs> kills. That's how things. we first saw Wolverine all those years ago. Yes, absolutely. So there, there's a cool scene in this in here where it reveals that that's that's her issue, and that's kind of a side thing right now. And obviously, the two stories are going to come together. Um, it's a zero issue, and it's a little weird that it's zero issue. I, I don't know why they label it as such, because it's it's not an issue that gives you a lot of backstory about these people. It, it just it's kind of feels like their first adventure. So I don't know if it was supposed to be number one, and then the fact that Forever Evil was, coming, was being delayed, they had to jostle around the numbering or something. I don't know exactly what the deal is with that. Um, I will say this, though. The, the, the real standout about the book is the, is the tone. So yeah, the book's a, a hell of a lot of fun, and that's what struck me about it. You know, we've been dealing in this forever evil world, which I've been really, really enjoying, but it's obviously all been very dour and and, and dire. And this this feels a lot a, a lot more like the characters having fun being the superheroes th- that they are. Mm. Um, it's I think it's an interesting team as well. Um, it's you know remnants from Dust League of America with some people added on. Obviously, Adam Strange is new to the team. Supergirl is new to the team, and and Animal Man is new to the team. But I I'm really excited to see. And more honestly, like it doesn't even feel like a Jeff Lemire book. Like it's not one of those things where it's a super emotional story. I don't know if it will become that or not. But it seems like him really trying to make a big fun superhero team book, hmm. which I'm I'm excited to see what comes of it. You know, after I finished reading it, Bob, I was like. I think Bob would really like this. I looked through it in the store. Yeah. I did find it quite fascinating. It didn't read the way I thought it would. Yeah. 
it's it's you know people are it, the, some of the jokes are a little bit corny, but I I I, I liked mm-hmm. that about it. I liked that they he was going for it, and the art by Mike McCone, he's a, I mean he's a great artist, so it's not a surprise, but it, it's really kind of some gorgeous some gorgeous stuff in here as well. I'm really looking forward to see see what comes of this if it it continues on this tone and is able to able to be this kind of book throughout. I, it's I'm on board because it, it seems pretty awesome to me. Hmm. It, it, it fills that problem that I, I think Justice League of America was a good idea, the, their idea for it, but I feel like it was too close in tone to the other Justice League books, so it didn't feel like it was necessary to, to telling the Justice League story. And yeah. this definitely feels uh, like it is. Give, give us some different takes on some characters, some of the which have gotten short shrift, some of which haven't, some of which haven't just been in this universe and the universe yet. So. Hmm. Justice League United number zero, uh, Jeff Lemire and Mike McCone does have a maple leaf. It on does Seagull. have a maple leaf. In this is a, this is an instance like the last time that I was on the show when you were saying how I had gotten things out of a book that that you hadn't gotten. Mm-hmm. I read Justice League United, and I I did not feel the same way that you did. But now hearing, I think I might need to give it another, another read. Um, I don't know what I was expecting from it, but whatever I was expecting from it, I felt like I didn't get mm-hmm. when I when I first read it. Uh, I did appreciate the lighter tone and the jokes, but it I felt like I got I think I need another issue mm-hmm. to have the full introduction. I felt like I got half of of the idea right in this one comic. And then the numbering really threw me off. Mm. Like I, I picked it up or I, I actually I didn't even buy it. My uh, my girlfriend did. And I read her copy and I was like, this is number zero, kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But um I want to see the whole team. I want to know I have faith in it because it's it's Jeff Lemire, but I think I might need uh, another issue or two to be completely sold on the idea. I do appreciate the lighter tone and what he's trying to do and to get out of the direness. I think the whole forever evil thing, the the delay, has just really just messed me up mm-hmm. for for the all the Justice League stuff. Yeah, I feel so cheated. You know, we talked about this a while ago with another another comic book topic, but they really screwed that up with mm. with Forever Evil, with the reveal of Grayson and mm. all that stuff, and and I just I just can't believe how long it's taking for them to push out that seventh issue. Well, there's an aftermath issue on the shelves today. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's just weird. I mean, it's obviously an issue. I don't know if it if it's Johns or if it's Finch or or whatever it is, but it, it's it's obviously causing problems now that we're getting this next wave yeah. of books. But you know, I do agree with you that I think that it's not very good about introducing its characters. It kind of just wants you and expects you to know them or doesn't care that you don't know them. Just is going to go. And yep. I don't know if it's going to change as, as we go, as we go farther along. But yeah, I wish there was been, there was a little bit more introduction to star girl and animal man and all those guys, but yep. I, I still um, really enjoyed it. Stephanie, did you get a chance to read it? She's, I don't know. She's with us. She's not. Oh, I am. Sorry. Yeah. My mic was muted. Cause my, landlord was banging on the roof again uh but uh you know i didn't get a chance to sorry okay no it's okay just wanted to make sure um you're 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 gonna be excommunicated from canada because you didn't do it um i mean we're wrapping up on it but yeah i just i felt like the some of the characters that have been in books previous to this that if the book was assuming that you already knew who they were Mm -hmm. and what they've been up to right you know and i kind of with everything going on lately, I really could have used a refresher, especially without having finished the last, like, I think two or three issues of Animal Man still. Like, I have, he seems okay. Mm-hmm. And the last time I left him, he was not okay. Right. Well, but, but, but the thing I'll say about that, though, is that I think if you're going to read a team book with mm-hmm. a bunch of different characters, I think there's kind of an expected that you'll know at least 
what's going on a little bit with them. Okay. Um, I don't think excuses. I think it should have been more clear. But I think that if you're going to read a book with a bunch of different people in it, I don't think you can expect them to necessarily mm-hmm. reintroduce all of those characters because then you'd be doing it for right. however many you know issues. Um, but I, you know, I, it's not perfect. But I, the tone really won me over above anything else. Mm-hmm. Justice League United, Justice League United number zero. Um, and I do want to talk about the Eltingville Club yeah. uh, from Evan Dorkin. It was a three. Uh, one shot, three ninety nine from Dark Horse, and I am assuming that it's part of a larger series. There's going to be one more because it does say the three time Eisner Award winner featuring fandoms for biggest losers. So I know I think there's been previous stuff. That's what it feels okay. like to me. Um, I don't know that because I uh, uh, Rob asked me told me I should pick it up. He, th- he thought it was cool, so I picked it up. Um, it's a story of <laughs> a group of four kids, uh, one of which gets a job at the the local comic book store, and the owner of the comic book store is kind of this raging, you know, misogynistic idiot who is kind of in his, his world. He's the king of his castle and he's just, he's a jerk. Um, fortunately for him, so are every other character in the, in the book. So yeah, they're all assholes. They're all, all big time assholes. Um, the, the, he has to basically go out on an errand. So the kid takes over the shop and gets completely power mad. And his friends, the other members of the Eltingville club show up and it becomes this kind of knockdown, drag out brawl between all of them. Can I read a, a line really quick? Mm. You come one step closer, and I'll do you like Marvel did Kirby. Yeah, <laughs> love that line. <laughs> so the book is very much it's commenting on geek culture. It's, it's it's entrenching geek culture. It's it's commenting on how comic book shops are run, how fans deal with stuff, and it's very much a satire. Um, I, but the only thing I will say is that the the one hang up for me was the amount of references in the dialogue. I know mm-hmm. it's, it's the point it's pointing out that people talk like this, mm-hmm. but at a certain point it became ineffective for me to read it because I wasn't, uh, I wasn't enjoying them. I was rolling my eyes every time that they, oh, they uttered one of them. There were speed that I thought were really good, but they just came so fast and furious that I didn't, right. I didn't, I stopped appreciating them. It's, it's a weird thing, right? Cause it's a book about very unlikable people who do very unlikable things. And I, I like the idea of it. I love the, the the satire of it all, but and I was loving the first half of it, but it just kind of continued to me being the same thing for the entire issue, and I lost the fire for it. Where I, I felt like by the end, I was forcing myself to finish reading it. It went Ooh. on for a very long time. Yeah, it was it was long. The book was long, and I, I yeah. think that it could have done with being a, a little bit shorter. I do think the pencil art, um, I, I, Evan Dorkin does. Um, all of it uh, he writes and and draws it mm-hmm. and i think that the the pencil art is gorgeous i think and i think that some of the stuff he's so spot on with like people act like i was definitely like shaking my head as it was going on like yeah that's that's very accurate i've definitely met people like this coming in and out of comic book yeah. shops stuff like that but it just went it just went on too long and I it, I could feel it trying to make its point so hard that it started to to turn me off a little bit. Right. Um. But it's definitely a very unique read. It reminded me. Um. I was having flashbacks actually to Fantasia, with no. Hear me out. Fantasia with Mickey Mouse being taking the sorcerer's hat and being left in charge of the magic and the castle and getting you know the the mops to do their thing and whatnot. Um, you know, what happens when the sorcerer goes away and leaves the apprentice to, you know, run the place. 
what I, I mean, I thought the book was really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, me too. I, I do think that it was, it was pounding its message like over your head over and over and over again. But um, I really appreciated a lot of the commentary and a lot of, you know, being in the comic store every week and helping in the comic store and just knowing a lot of the ins and outs of what it what it is to be in there and the different people that come through. I mean, we've had some characters over at Tour Comics mm. big time and a couple of them show up in this book. And uh, I like like some of the references I thought were really cool. Like a girl comes in with the Totoro backpack on and she goes, oh, hey, hi there. Um, do you have the new Saga trade? And it's a comic book store filled with guys, and they all just stop in their tracks and crowd around. They bring out their cell phones, start taking you know pictures of her, and she runs away crying and screaming out of the store. Um, and just all the different people looking for those eBay you know books, looking to to hawk the books and sell them for big money. Um, and just in that regard, I I thought it was pretty damn funny. Um, but yeah, it did, it did go on for a bit. I mean, and it was a beefy book. The whole book, yeah. every page is filled, just filled with art and writing and commentary. And um, But if you are a comic hound and you do have a shop that you frequent, I mean, if you can manage to find this book, you might really get a kick out of it. It's mm. pretty funny. Yeah. Well, it's got a kind of a, looking through it quickly, a clerk's vibe. Yeah, it's a yeah. lot meaner than Clerks. It's a lot. It's a lot more heavy-handed than that type, oh, that type yeah. of vibe. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the, the the fact of it is, it's just it's full of people that you you despise. Like everyone in the in, it's mm-hmm. despicable. And the, I think there's a, a entertainment value to that, but they were just so harsh that I, again it graded on me. I, I just I needed enough of the harshness. I will say this though, when they break into kind of the action scenes at the end, he does action pretty well. There's there's some pretty dynamic stuff happening in in the panels. Um, uh, Evan Dorka and Sarah, Dare, did they help me out here? Milk and cheese was that them years yes. ago? Yes. Okay. It was. Uh, I, I turned to this first page. Everyone get this reference? What? This first page. We well, have to explain about it. It's okay. radio. Oh, it's well. You're saying that it's it, it's a it's a fella in a Fantastic Four shirt standing yeah. in the rain with very old fashioned lettering above this fan, this monster. Yeah, well, it's Fantastic Four number fifty one. Oh, okay. This man, this monster, oh. the thing standing in a rainstorm in this oh, exact okay. same pose. <laughs> so the in jokes begin right away. I love the beginning when he's standing outside the comic shop. He's like, "Come on, come on, come on, you bastard! Open the fuck up already!" I when I went to Heroes in in London, there's always people outside getting their Wednesday comics, waiting outside for them to unlock mm. the doors. There's at least fifteen people outside of it every time, and just that. That picture, it's so true to life at the comic shop that I, I got a lot of chuckles out of this mm. one. All right, so that's um, Eltingville Club. Uh, there's number, no, no number on it. Uh, it's, I guess, it's not a one-shot because there's no issue coming out, but it's, it's unnumbered. And it's for mature readers. Um, Very mature. Yes. So, Stephanie, tell us yes. about Iron Patriot. Yeah, this is my only comic this week because I'm way behind. I'm juggling like 15,000 things. So gonna make this one count <laughs> um but yeah iron patriot again another marvel now number one uh by alesh cott gary brown and jim charles lampidus lampidus <laughs> lapidus whatever that guy <laughs> by jim anyway sorry my friend so, we didn't get your name right <laughs> i know poor uh 
he's like he always talks to us on the when, on misfits uh somebody sent us in a listener question randy and i butchered i'm not going to try and say his last name you know who you are <laughs> um, but Finger like guns. i butchered it so badly he's like i think you did like the worst pronunciation of like my name ever and i was like you're welcome <laughs> um anyways but yes i can correct people when they don't say belanger correct <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever, man. <laughs> the one that I happen to actually know the pronunciation of. That's a first. Um, anyways, though. So, Iron Patriot. My only knowledge of Iron Patriot is from the Iron Man movies. And uh, most recently from his brief appearance in Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, you know, coming off Elektra and, like, all the other books where you're, like, evaluating whether this is a good number one or not. I thought this was a really solid number one. So, uh, Iron Patriot is Rhodey, Iron Man's friend, Robert Downey Jr.'s pal, you know, Tony Stark. Not really Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) I'm just not going to make sense. Um, But, you know, the story opens with some bad shit happening to Rhodey. And, And then it goes back in time to a couple days before and starts to kind of fill in the blanks. Um, you see him working on a project and it, it's only like really like a couple pages of that before um, we actually kind of start to see some of his personal life, which is a side I haven't really experienced aside from some making out outside the barn. <laughs> Again, in Captain Marvel. And he won't look after her cat. But And he won't look after her cat. Yeah, but that works out for future comedic relief. Mm, yes, it does. <laughs> Flurkins. Yes. Anyway. Flurkins. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so you start to see a little bit behind his his life, behind the curtains there. And, you know, he, he, he kind of really immediately discover that he's had a lot of loss in his life. And um, they, they start referencing a girl and you kind of think it's, his daughter or something until you find out it's his niece. Um, and she's obviously going to be a big part of the series, but she's, she's kind of like a young Tony Stark in a way, you know, she's very curious. And I, I think, I don't know if they reference how old she is. Um, but you know, instead of hanging out with her friends and stuff, she wants to tinker on things in the garage and she wants to work on Rhodey's iron Patriot suit. Um, and just kind of see what makes it work. Uh, she wants to just she wants to know. Her mind is thirsty for knowledge, <laughs> and I think she's kind of this character that's, um, you know, she she does well in school, but she's not challenged. So she looks for other ways to challenge herself. And her relationship with her uncle is kind of how she does that because he treats her like an adult and not a kid. Um. Anyways. She's a great character so far. Um, Rhodey winds up having to kind of say that he wants to do stuff near home. He wants to help people nearby instead of, you know, going all over the place. He wants to, you know, just be a better person, but do it closer to his family. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of blow up about this. People are, you know, okay with it, but, you know, the the government really isn't. They want him to be their weapon, I guess. That's the kind of vibe I get. Anyways, but without carrying on and spoiling the story more, you know, you kind of start to see even more 
how much like Rhodey means to his niece and how much family is important to him. And it's really starting to build up the story that he needs that in his life. And this is going to be a book about as much, you know, what's going on behind the scenes as what he does as Iron Patriot. Um, I thought that Alejcott built up a really great first issue, a good story. I didn't need to know a lot more than what I did from the movies. I mean, you don't really have a lot of information about him in the movies, but you have enough, right? Like, I mean, yeah. obviously in yeah. Iron Man, um, Tony Stark's the main focus. Uh, but I, I found that in Iron Patriot, they didn't make you have to look up stuff on Wikipedia. And I didn't ever feel that sense of what is happening. Um, aside from like the first little page where I wasn't sure what was going on, if his niece was his niece or his daughter. Um, but yeah, like I, I just thought that it was really good. The comic, I mean, the art, I like it. I mean, I don't think it's anything, um, you know, like extraordinary. I think it's kind of par for the course kind of superhero art. But I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just kind of, it works for the book. I like it. Um, again, the artist is Gary Brown. And the colorist is that Jim guy. <laughs> hey, Jimbo. Last name. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting issue and I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, solid. Awesome. Anyone else get a chance to read it? Uh, no, I haven't read it. I have. You have. I did. What'd you think? Um, I pretty much would echo the same thing Stephanie said. Uh, I did not pick up the second issue because I'm trying to trim my pull list, but, uh, it's something that I will definitely check back on. I really enjoy, uh, Alesh Scott's writing and I'm interested in the character. I just, it's kind of going in a very spy direction uh, from what really? I saw. Yeah, a little bit yesterday. Um, in the second issue? Yeah, there's like some home invasion stuff and he he gets placed on a mission that just, I'm already reading, I'm reading Zero by Leshcott, so I feel like I'm kind of getting my fill of that type of book from him. Mm-hmm. But um, it, like I said, it's definitely something that I would check back on and... Um, and see if if the story goes in a different direction. It looked cool. I just I have to make cuts. Times are tough. <laughs> I didn't think that. I mean, because they kind of leave him in a cliffhangery spot, yes. so I didn't think that they would go somewhere else with it. Well, this is going this is going based on thumbing through the book that I'm making these grand assumptions. So let's assume that I'm wrong. <laughs> Hmm. All right. Wait. Let's wait to end the segment with some misinformation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. <laughs> Finger guns. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Iron Patriot number one. Uh, Aleshkot and Gary Brown. Yeah. And Jim. And Jim. That Old Jim, Jimbo. That Jim. I want to see the next <laughs> book he's on. It just says that Jim guy. Yeah, that Jim guy. That All right. Jim guy. So that's gonna do it for our book of the week segment. We're gonna take a little break, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna do some news and some listener questions. We are back, and as I promised, we're going to be diving into some news. We're also going to talk about a little bit of uh, some 
free comic book day offerings um, as well. Just gonna give you guys an idea of what, what's what's gonna be coming out this weekend because comic book day, free comic book day is this Saturday. Yes, it is. The first Saturday in May every, every single year. Um, but before we get to those, a couple things I wanted to talk about. One, and um, we retweeted this from the account today. I also got an email about this. Uh, for a while now, this place called uh, the Humble Bundle. Oh yeah, has been putting out packets of, of video games, um, and now they're actually doing a set of comic books uh, from Image Comics. They announced digitally, and this is one of the things where you you can pay whatever you want, and mm-hmm. you get um, you get these books if you if you pay. So if you if you pay, if you pay no matter what if you pay bottom price you get East of West Volume One Fatal Volume One Lazarus Volume One and Morning Glories Volume One if you pay the average price that people are paying you also get Saga Volume One so and if you pay uh, fifteen dollars or or more you get The Walking Dead Volume One and The Walking Dead Volume Twenty uh, digitally so that would if you paid if you paid more than fifteen dollars you would get East of West Fatal Lazarus Morning Glories Saga, Revival, Chew, and two volumes of The Walking Dead. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and they've been doing this for a while with video games. Like I said, I've gotten a couple really awesome um, video game bundles uh, through that. Um, and I believe that the proceeds go to charity. I believe that is the oh, deal awesome. with Humble Bundle. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's going. this one's for the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. So... Um, it's pretty cool. Ooh. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I mean, that's a lot of stuff to get for donating. Yeah, it's funny. I've seen stuff like that on Twitter for video games, but I just never, I assumed that it was like another Amazon gold box deal. And yeah. it was just, you know, oh, this game will be X amount of dollars for today for a limited time. I had no idea that it was attached to charities or that it was by bundle. They meant several titles. Yeah, it's but, pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. God, take advantage of that. Yeah. Too bad I have all of them already or else I would jump on it. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. It's, it's an awesome thing. Stephanie, what do you think about the Humble Bundle? I've been tweeting about it to people today, and I think it's a really great idea. I mean, I think it's a good jumping on point for a lot of people, too, who are wanting to get into some of these titles and check out some of the independent things, especially. Um, I, I think that these should happen more. Mm-hmm. I, no, I absolutely, I absolutely agree with you, and I think that if this one is successful, you'll probably definitely see them doing more and more of them because um, they do a lot of them in, in the video game space. Awesome. Um, I know I got one with like in the video game stuff. I got like Bastion and Amnesia and Are they PC titles. Yeah, they're PC games. Nice. Yeah, they're only in the PC, but um, okay. it's cool. It's very, 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 very cool thing. I think people should uh, take advantage of. It. If you go to humblebundle.com, you'll you'll see it. They're running right now. Do they have like a maybe a Twitter account that you could follow that they'll let you know when things are going on? Or you just kind of got to keep your ear to the ground. I'm going to assume that they have a Twitter. <laughs> um, everybody does, right? Yeah, I'm going no. to. I'm going to assume yes. They, no, no, not ever, Bob. Sorry, not everybody. Sever <laughs> Bob. It is. For I'm now. looking up right now. It is at humble. Is there is their Twitter handle? I will follow them. So you can follow them. Um, yeah, they're really cool, really cool organization. And I'm actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna donate. I'm gonna get this, this stuff. And I would bet once you bought, you're on the digital mailing list. You'll then get following. Probably, that would be yeah. nice. Probably, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I do get emails every time. There's a humble bundle, as a matter of fact. So people should definitely check that. out. Go to humblebundle.com and check that out. I like the name. Yeah, it's cool. It's fun to say. Yeah, it, it's very fun to say. Um, <laughs> uh, so we talked. I think it was. Two weeks ago, when 
Comixology was bought by Amazon. Ah, uh, yes. And we mentioned so, uh, a few ramifications of Amazon buying Comixology, and this weekend those things came to pass. Uh, the Comixology app, you can no longer buy or browse books from the Comixology app. You can read them there, but you can't buy or browse. From there, you have to do go to their web store in order to do it. Um, this is just simply a function of the fact that Amazon is not going to give Apple a cut uh, of their money. They want the cut. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of Apple getting, because Apple gets thirty percent of an, every sale on the App Store, which, in 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 as far as like publisher deals, is actually a really good deal for people. Amazon is actually more. Amazon, I I think I read is like thirty five percent for digital for authors, and then a little bit more because they charge some people for um like download fees and, and and stuff like that. But so you have to go to their web store in order to buy, and then you can sync up and you can to to the app after that. Um, it's a one step removed kind of process, but it, it definitely makes the impulse buy for people on iPad um, go away. Um, and sure. it, you know, it, it's, it's, they gave everybody, I think, a $5 credit. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Um, I even got one. Yeah, which is in, an interesting move, which is kind of like, we know we're kind of, we're kind of fucking you over, but here's $5. Go buy a couple <laughs> comic books. Like, that's what I feel like. Yeah. Like, just got guys shut up. I mean, to be fair, that must cost them a lot of money to, yeah. $5 for that many people is a lot of money. But look, I, I don't think this is the end of the world or anything, but this is exactly what I expected to happen. And people did react, you know, rather poorly. Poorly. Yeah. To, to to the the the, the advent of, of this. Um I don't know, Seventy, I know you, you, you end up buying quite a few digital comics, right? From Comixology. Mm-hmm. So yep. and you use an iPad, correct? I do. So what was your feeling kind of at when this happened? Did you did you did you buy any books since I think it was was it Saturday or Sunday that they made the change? No. I mean, to be honest, I don't typically buy things through the Comixology app. Um I hate that, like, I can't use my information that's registered, like, on my Comixology account. If I have credit on iTunes, it uses my iTunes credit instead mm-hmm. of what I've already set up otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, usually, I buy things from um, the store directly anyways, because usually my iTunes credit is on there to buy things, you know, from iTunes. Right. I mean, but still, it's iTunes when you're buying it from the app. I know, but, <laughs> I, yeah, but I don't. I, I I can buy the comics mm-hmm. like online, whereas like if I have like I don't know, I just I, I have processes, <laughs> um, things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I I it just doesn't affect me that much. It's kind of more of an inconvenience that I can't use. Like I have to update to a new app entirely. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, like this app doesn't function anymore, so that's kind of an inconvenience. But I think like some of our uh, followers had some things to say about it overseas. Like, I think the change affected them even more. Yeah. Well, we uh, have this one uh, person on Twitter. Um, he's Wel- Weltram Hirsch uh, on Twitter. Uh, he says, will you be talking on the show about that awful comicsology move? For us overseas, it's now even harder to get our comics. Just look into the app store reviews. It crashed from five stars back in, uh, you know, into one and hundreds complaining on Twitter. Most people made impulse buys in the app. That no longer works. And we overseas have to get credit cards, etc. The new app has no improvement. It just, it just has less features because you cannot browse anymore or buy comics. And I guess it's never a good thing when people had different choices to buy stuff and now are forced to buy it in one place. Um, and he said they... Uh, 
they ban our payment accounts outside the U. They ban, I guess, they ban payment accounts outside the USA. So we have to pay more for digital comics, which is actually more than imported print comics. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a whole. There's gonna be a whole set of um, ramifications to, to to this move, and I think that one of the things that's definitely throwing into relief, especially for me, is that the thing about comicsology and and this is what it, what Image is doing with their digital comics is 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 really cool, which is they give you they give you license free copies of the books, so they're not tied to any service or anything like that. Um, and these are the, the these books are obviously tied to their Comicsology service. So now I bought the books of Comicsology, but now if I want to read them, I have to go to you know I have to go to Amazon to, in order to, to procure them. And now what I, who I thought I was buying from is no longer the company I was buying from. And because it's a digital good, I now have to interface with that company for the books that I already bought. You know, so it becomes an, an issue, a sharp relief issue for me of, yeah, I can't take my, I can't just download all my books and get away from Comixology app and read them on, on some other comic app. I have to go through Comixology. So now I have to go through Amazon. And, and I guess in the short term, it's not a very big deal, but I think that it just, if it, it it illustrates even more the weird rights issues between what you own and what you don't when it comes to digital goods. I have a question. Yeah. Cause I don't quite, I, I don't buy digital comics um, or I have in the past, but I don't buy them very often, not often enough to know the ins and outs of this, but is it kind of like a portal in that you go through Comixology and they kick you over to Amazon and then you have to buy through them? You can't even, there's not even, you, I haven't downloaded the new app yet, but the way it works on Kindle is you can't even, there's no button in the Kindle app on the iPad or the iPhone that kicks you to the Kindle store. You have to physically go to the Kindle store and, uh, you know, on on your, on your, on your web device, um, and then go and then buy it. And then, cause your Amazon account is linked with that Kindle app, it automatically downloads to your, to the Kindle app or gives you the option of downloading it. Um, so, if it works that way, then it's going to be kind of the same the same deal with, with Comicsology, and it seems like that is the same deal now. It's listen. It, it's probably it probably adds twenty five seconds to your to your purchasing time. Yeah. But and I read this CBR had a very good article about all of this stuff, and I encourage people to check it out. But they said you know people are generally lazy and stuck in in their ways, and that added time is going to seriously hinder sales now there are good things they say now we can charge less than 99 cents for a comic because apple doesn't allow you to charge less than that for things there can be bundles of stuff now which apple also doesn't allow there can be subscription services which apple also doesn't allow um but i think that like this overseas listener is obviously a a case that we we didn't even think about because how would we even know but i think that people are realizing now that and they do without warning and they just change over the app and they don't don't tell anybody that the stuff they own really belong to somebody else, you know? And I think people are getting a little bit tweaked by that. All right. I have one more question. Yeah. What is the deal? You said something about not being able to browse anymore. You can't browse on the app. So you can't, and that, and that what does that mean exactly? So like on the comicsology app, traditionally you, you know, it, it has two sections. It has the store section and it has the, it has the, um, the books section, like your actual books that are on your device. Okay. And you can switch between the two in the same app, Seamlessly. So you can go, okay, I'm reading a book. Let me click this link up here. It says store. I go to the store. I can browse the comics that I want to buy. Hit buy, buy, put my password in. Now they're on my now they're on my iPad. Okay. Now the app is just a reader. 
you can't you can't browse because they can't have a storefront if they're not going to if they're not going to be part of the app store. You know, Apple has very kind of strict rules. A because they want to make money, and B because they don't want scams happening. They don't want just an app saying go to our web store. So the, Amazon can't even have like a link that that takes you to the web store because it's outside the rules, uh, uh, the policies and procedures of Apple. So then, how do you siphon through like let's say like the new releases and stuff? How do you like determine what you're going to buy? Like if you, like a digital shelf that right. you want to, they don't offer that anymore. No, you have you have to go to Comicsology.com to look at the new releases, and then you buy them right from Comicsology. And because it's all linked together. Account wise, you get you get you it bounces automatically and it downloads to your device or it gives you the option to download it to your device. Then once you bought it, it doesn't matter. They can do whatever they want. But before you buy it, you know Apple gates it. Apple you have to go to the Apple store. The person whom you're trying Wild. to reach is currently unavailable. Oh, Stephanie's gone again. <laughs> Man, we get a we get a, a lovely British woman talking to us though. Um, so yeah, it it just made it more of a pain in the ass to to do it. Sounds like it. Yeah, definitely. And so I think that it's going to be some growing pains for them. And I think that the $5 coupon thing is kind of an admission of them mm-hmm. knowing that they kind of did something kind of shitty to people who, who invested heavily. And look, like I said last time we talked about this, Comixology, and look, no company owes another company anything. It's they're all out to make money. But uh, uh, Comixology's success is largely to do with Apple. And I think that, and it's uh, more or less than Apple, but more it's, it's, it's users and I feel like this hinders the consumer experience a lot. And so I think there's going to be a lot of blowback. And look, it leaves room It leaves room for another company to come in and do things. And it also leaves the room, leaves it up and open for these publishers themselves just to do their own thing. That, right. You already have Marvel doing it. Yeah. Dark Horse has already been doing it all along. Right? Yeah, this yeah. stuff wasn't on. No, they're on Comixology. Image sells their comics on their website, like I said, with, without any without any um, rights management on it. So I think that you're really looking at a time where Comixology, while it looks like a a giant win for them to get bought by Amazon, I think it's going to end up leading these other publishers to do their own thing. Because I think there was, I I feel like there's a little bit of that. Comixology isn't kind of an indie company. We're an indie company. You know, let's, 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 let's be part of it. Let's do this together. Like we're going this together. They're reliable. They have great technology behind their app. So it all, it all works really, really well. But I think being bought by Amazon, it takes that away from them. It's not this company that could. It's just another part of this giant. And I think you lose a lot of good faith by, yeah. by being that. No, it's like one of the, in the old days, an indie record company gets bought up by Columbia. Now they're not so indie anymore. Oh, yeah. Not so thrilled with what you're doing because now there's some mucky muck in an office telling you what to do. It's not this fly by the seat of your pants grassroots right exactly exactly that, that and that's that's something that stephanie is hey. back <laughs> we're, we're still on the air stephanie oh hello we've been saying horrible <laughs> things about you while you were gone oh that's probably deserved <laughs> uh no we're just wrapping up the the, the, the comicsology uh discussion oh bastards <laughs> i don't Should know I if, sum it up? uh is there anything else you want to you want to say on the matter no, I don't think so. I'm sure you guys covered it all. We're very smart, so we did. I I believe you. <laughs> so we, you know, we'll have to see. You know what happens with all that. You know, this weekend obviously it just happened, so there was a lot of reaction to it. We'll see how it goes going forward. Um, speaking of big reactions, uh, this past weekend as well, we got the announcement, the final, the confirmation that Justice League is coming after Su- Superman versus Batman, or. Mm-hmm. 
Batman Superman or whatever whatever it's going to be called. Mm. Uh, Zack Snyder will also direct, and we also we got a casting. I'm I'm a led, I'm assuming that's also made Justice League for Cyborg in Man, um, Batman versus Superman. Yes. So a lot of news, a lot of big things happened. Um, there's a, there's actually a very good thread about it on the forums right now. If you guys want to check that out. Um, you know, I, I think our, our our views on Man of Steel and, and the, the Zack Snyder approach to these things is is well out there. I want to more ask Bob what you think about the time frame, and if you think that still, even with everything else coming out, that Justice League is going to be a really big deal when it when it comes out. We're looking 2017. Is it 2017 or or 18? Yeah, <sighs> yeah. It does give them more time to finally build some of this, mm. but what are they going to make in between? Right. I if don't... it's still going to be Batman, Superman, and then nothing, mm. they haven't laid the groundwork in the way that Marvel did with their films to get us to that person. If you're going to fling all these characters into this movie, we are now up to Flash, Cyborg, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman. Well, we ha- they haven't they haven't um, confirmed the Flash in it. Um, so yeah, but, but the uh, TV uh, show will be up and running. Yeah, we'll see. So, I mean, we'll see yeah. what's going to happen with all that stuff. But yeah, we definitely have several Justice League characters at least making appearances in Batman Superman. I think it's going to be too crowded. I think it's going to be tough to tell all those stories in a way that gets people really interested in these characters, except regu- you know, the regular comic readers to start with. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the opposite approach of what Marvel sort of did, which was take B characters and let you live with them a little bit. Right. Yeah. Then what they're, you know, as we've always discussed, what that approach will be with these characters, where they'll sit on tonally mm. and the rest of it. <sighs> Problematic, I think. Is this going to make money? Yeah, because as many people loved it as hated it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> what do I know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I want to give the actor a little bit of uh, credit here. Ray Fisher is the name of the, the guy who was cast as Cyborg. In um in Batman versus Superman, do we know what what else has he been in? He um he is known primarily for being a theater actor. Okay. Uh, he won a lot apparently a lot of accolades for playing Muhammad Ali on an off Broadway play called Fetch Clay Make Man. Hmm. Um, yeah. So and he looks the part definitely. <laughs> and he's like the right age and stuff like that. So yeah, I've seen the, the photos. Yeah, it, it's cool. And, and Cyborg has been obviously a very big part of the comic book universe right now. So it, it's it's mm. cool that they're they're bringing him in, and he's a very cool character. And, and yeah. The thing is, I think that on the surface, taken apart, all of these announcements are pretty cool. Uh, I do agree with you. I think that there's definitely a possibility, much like we're seeing, and I think a listener says this as well, much like we're heading into Spider-Man this week, the same sort of feeling of a movie being overstuffed. Uh, look, I, I'm, I don't think that they should rush the movies. I think if they're going to take their time and make these movies, I think that could only be a good thing. Uh, I think it comes to the point where they're just going to have, they're just relying on the fact that, look, yeah, all these Marvel movies are out, but we do have Batman and Superman in our movie, so it's going to be big. And we and and I think what what, what they have on their on their side and the benefit of them is that they don't really need to spend any time in Justice League establishing who Superman or Batman are. So you can have smaller characters be the leads in those movies, you know, kind of the focus of those movies, and not have to deal with a lot of backstory with Clark and Bruce and, and these people, and possibly also by introducing Diana. Uh, and maybe a little bit of Cyborg, probably Victor Stone, probably more than Cyborg in, in Batman Superman. You at least have an idea of who these people are, kind of like what they did with Hawkeye in in Thor and, and stuff like that, or Black Widow in, in, in Iron Man 2. You get a little bit in those movies so that when you see them again, you recognize them, you're familiar with them, you know, okay, 
this this is this person, so they're not starting from absolute scratch. Um, I'm wondering if part of their marketing campaign here is, well, if they're seeing the movie, they're going to be fans of the comic. Because, like, um, you know, they aren't really integrating them the way Marvel did to make them really known, like all these characters known to non-comic book readers. I mean, to a certain extent, a lot of people outside of comics obviously know who was. I mean, they might not necessarily know her origin story. Um, and I feel like what they're doing is kind of assuming that people know that stuff. But, you know, after Azarello's run on Wonder Woman, uh, with Finch taking uh, they're bringing Wonder Woman, I think, kind of, they're realigning her character to be more like what they've done in Justice League. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they said. So, I mean, you know, with the movie announcement and the changes in the book, it kind of seems like they're maybe trying to align her character to what they want for the film. Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? I mean, again, we're, we're speaking obviously totally from just casting announcements and ideas of what this is going to be. But I mean, part of, I'm just wondering if like their marketing idea, like they're just completely lost on the idea that somebody who doesn't read comics would go see their movies. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about that. I think right now these announcements are definitely for us. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Announcing no one else cyborg, cares. yeah, announcing cyborg in a movie. Like, I, I think a, I think a large swath of people know who he is because that Teen Titans cartoon was very, very popular. When you know, in in, in the I think late nineties, early two thousands, I think that's when that cartoon was on. He was obviously a big part of that show, um, and so I think that they're relying on those kind of things to let people know who they are. Uh, but I think that I think when you get to the movies themselves, I think you're going to see probably proper introductions for everyone uh, the, the shame of it is and here the shame just attend no, forget about my opinion and my opinion is worth just my opinion uh, it was a shame when it, it got announced because they announced a justice league movie and it should be like this amazing awesome thing and it should be a, a, a moment to be very happy and it seemed like the general tone was like okay like that seemed like the general tone to everybody's reaction yeah. to it yeah and that that you know that makes me a little bit sad just because it's finally a Justice League movie, you know, but again, we have no idea what that's going to be. We have no idea how it's going to feel, how it, you know, I think, I think once Batman Superman drops, we're going to know a lot better if there's any change in direction from that crew, whether or not there should be or not for the people who love that movie. You know, I I think for the people who, who, who are on this show, everyone's kind of watching to see what happens with that movie. And then we'll know more about what the Justice League is going to be. Um, I mean, they also kind of announced that they're working on a bunch of other movies as well. A Metal Men movie, a Ugh. Shazam movie, um, uh, you know, um, I, I think they yeah. mentioned some Vertigo stuff as well, Fables. Uh, and Why the Last Man Why and the, Sandman. Why the Last Man, Sandman, 100 Bullets. Yep. Um, so, I'm so much more excited for that stuff than the other stuff. I, I want to see a I'm Pixar not. Metal Men movie. <laughs> After like everything that they've done with the movies they've already put out there, I'm worried for anything they touch unless it well, happens true. to be the second season of a TV show. Well, I mean, to be fair, I mean, Warner Brothers as a movie studio is a very good movie studio. So, you know, we are, I think we're all kind of not, not so hip to the Zack Snyder DC vision, but I doubt that he'll have anything to do with the Vertigo stuff. You know, I'd that, be interested to see. Yeah, that's sorry. A good point. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what they do with like something like Why the Last Man because we've largely talked about you know when we've done dream movies and dream casts and dream properties. You know, we've all talked about Why the Last Man as a TV series because it would be something largely I think 
unfilmable because it's it would yeah. be like a long like you'd have to cut out so much unless you plan to make it a series of movies but i mean i feel like why the last man isn't a big enough movie to draw in enough to warrant like a trilogy or something mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying like, um, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with that stuff yeah i mean i mean they're playing a trilogy of lock and key movies and why the last man is no less like uh, you know prestigious but or I think lock and popular. key I think Lock and Key brings a certain kind of like horror kind of cells, you know, and you can do lots of, you know, like if they're released, especially like around like Halloween and stuff, you can do a lot with horror movies, whereas lesser titles, like, I, I don't know. I mean, it could be like the best selling movie of all time. I don't know, but it's, you know, it's little things that go through my head when I see the announcements. It's kind of like, how are they going to pull this off? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, it's it's very interesting to and those movies, I think at least are intriguing to me because I yeah. you know I've liked what the rest of the, I've really liked most of the Vertigo based movies that have come out. You know, I mean, obviously these books books like Watchmen, which is not really a Vertigo book, but it's kind of now they kind of yeah. count as a Vertigo book. Um, you know, the uh, V for Vendetta I thought was great. You know, I, I think they as much as it's not the book. I think the Constantine movie was pretty enjoyable, so I think that they've done um, some good job with with that stuff. There's obviously been some missteps as well, but I think that they've done a pretty good job. So I would like to see what what they come up with. And obviously, the, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is attached to the Sandman property, mm-hmm. um, so he seems to not really do uh, stuff that I mean, obviously I mean, all stuff is great, but he tries just interesting stuff. So I feel like it would still be an interesting take. Um, obviously, I'm sure there's. Aquaman and Wonder Woman and all this kind of stuff breeding in the background. They've talked very heavily about the fact that they're going to announce huge swaths of movies in, yeah. in, in coming Rock very Woman. soon. Rockwoman, exactly. There are whispers of um, Jason Moma being Aquaman. I know that he's been talking to them. He's talking to them for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I like Jason Momo like in Game of Thrones a lot, but yeah. I feel like when he speaks, it's not so great. Yeah, but when I don't he's, know. He was fine in Conan. He's fine in Conan, I like but I want more than fine. <laughs> but I mean, have you have you seen him in something aside from like a barbarian type role? That's like all he does, though. But yeah, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like I, I maybe he can be great, but I, from what I've seen of, of his body of work, it has right. not been great. Yet. That's that's all I'm yeah. saying. Um, I don't know. When it was the George Miller Justice League, no. yeah, that never got made all those years ago. I was really. Juice. That's what two thousand. Yeah, two thousand somewhere. Yeah, somewhere around just there. Just around when the X Men. Yeah, out. and it was after it got kind of delayed by the uh, derailed by the writer strike when yep. it happened. Yeah, that movie seemed cool. Like when they had some cool <gasps> ideas for that. But that's like I directed Mad Max for goodness sake. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jason Momoa was in forty four episodes of Baywatch. <laughs> yes. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's like where he got his start. <laughs> I think well. we're not helping no argument <laughs> aquaman and nick fury in the same tv show yeah <laughs> but i i think that look i think that there's potential for good you know I, like i always say and i said this in the forum except for man of steel i've really liked everything Zack snyder has ever done so i have to at least have some hope that I will again like a movie that he does. I, and since the, all he's doing is superhero stuff for the next five years, I'm going to hope that one of those movies I like. So, so yeah, yeah, and we've liked other things that Goyer has done. Absolutely, yeah. Is it just this oil and water don't mix? Maybe. The, the, Zack Snyder had some interesting things to say this week about how people are too beholden to mm-hmm. Richard Donner and yeah. Christopher Reeve and 
that goody two shoes, that sort of smiling superhero doesn't work. Uh, Captain America, shut right. up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 those comments always bother me when people say stuff like that. I just don't think it's a valid argument. I think that if you, if you, if you're great at what you do, you can make anything work. That's kind of what great artists do. But, mm. um, Steve, what were you gonna say? Uh, no, I just it's you kind of said it before. I, I mean, I saw the. I saw the Zack Snyder announcement for Justice League, and I, I mean, immediately after I saw it, I like fell asleep. Um, I just, I wish that I had more excitement for an announcement like that. I wish that I knew indefinitely that there was a plan, that we were working towards that, that there was going to be things that are like that are set in motion, and we have a release schedule where we're going to be introduced to these characters. And I, I hear what you're saying about Batman and Superman, how you don't need to reestablish them in the Justice League movie, and perhaps that'll help move things along. But just, I mean, when the Avengers was announced, it was, there was like a universal fist pump, and people were like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. everybody was ready for it. And oh my God, we're going to see, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and, you know, Thor and and all these people are going to be in the same movie and it's going to be awesome and all of these things. We don't even have, we haven't even seen like the Batman outfit. We haven't seen the Wonder Woman. We haven't even seen Wonder Woman on screen yet. And they're announcing a team-based book with a bunch of characters that have yet to make their way to the silver screen. And it's just, it's also anticlimactic for me. Like I, I, I'm excited about the prospect of this movie existing, but my enthusiasm for it without having those other pieces is minimal. Well, to be fair about the Avengers, they announced the Avengers when only Iron Man was out. So they're, did they? they? Yes. Okay. They announced I, I they, they announced like a, th- a three year slate when after Iron Man hit big. So again, but they announced solo but movies. They announced leading the, up, they, leading yeah, up they to announced it. the phase or whatever. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So uh, there is that. I, 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 I agree with you. I think that. I just, but before, they couldn't go about it the same way, though. right? But like they're they're like you know. I agree. Sorry, I, let's see. Finish. This let point. me just finish my yeah. thought because if I don't, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> they they announced Justice League, and I'm just saying if we had like they're like, but we're working on other stuff, mm-hmm. and you know we're we're going to announce that stuff soon. I would much rather them have waited and made like this big like throwing down the gauntlet announcement of like we got this 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 and this and then bam we're going to come out with a justice league movie after all these characters are there and you guys are going to freak out and you're going to love it it's going to be awesome Mm -hmm. you know Zack snyder's directing it's going to be bombastic Mm -hmm. it's going to be action it's going to be adventure it's going to be all these things and it wasn't like that it was you got you know man of steel Man of Steel 2 slash Batman slash Superman slash versus whatever, and then Justice League. And we'll let you know what we're going to do in the interim, but, you know, get excited, and I'm just not. Well, you're not excited, though, because you don't like Man of Steel. No. That's why you're not... But, Steve, to be fair, if you loved Man of Steel... You'd be super pumped for Batman Superman, and then you'd be super pumped for Justice League. There's no way you would... Steve, come on! Don't what you can't you can't tell me. But it's me. bullshit, dude. Come no, it's on, it's not bullshit. It's not bullshit. It's because you didn't like Men of Steel. I feel the same way, but it's not because look, look at it, look at it, think about forget the fact you saw Men of Steel and you didn't like it. They announced a Batman Superman movie. All right, now imagine it's not Zack Snyder. Imagine it's Joss Whedon, and then it's like you hear rumors Wonder Woman's going to be in it. Oh man, Cyborg's going to be in it. You would be fucking pumped. You would not be like it's too much, and I want to see other movies first. But like, give me this movie right now. The same thing happened with Justice League. I'm just saying that you have to realize that you, 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 and I agree with you. I am, I feel the same way you do about Justice League, but it's not because of the way they're rolling it out. It's because of the, you don't like the, the movie that's, it's all based on. Honestly, 
it's more about it's the opposite. It's more about the way they're rolling it out than like like you said before. I've loved even the movies that people Zack Snyder movies that people didn't like. I loved Sucker Punch. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. There's a whole bunch of people like for the people that hated Man of Steel. There's as many people that hated Sucker Punch. Mm-hmm. I fucking love that movie. I think that movie works on so many levels that a lot of people just didn't give it a chance. Uh, it's fantastic. I really, I, I would have had more excitement if I had more pieces of the puzzle. I don't like sitting in front with just the edges. You know, I want, I want those pieces. I want to know that there's a plan because it, it, it instills confidence in me, regardless of it being Scott, uh, Zack Snyder. He's, he's done one bad movie mm. of the stuff that I've seen. Mm. And I can, you know, if he can redeem, he's got Batman in his next movie. Awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Cyborg. Totally. I like Cyborg a lot. Really excited for that. But I'm just saying enthusiasm wise, I would I would have liked it, it would make me feel a lot more comfortable if I knew that there was a definite like a map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think you're going to see any solo movies I, I... between the two movies. Sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. Sorry, there's like two. So every time like I jump in, it comes in like two seconds later. But <laughs> I agree with Steve. I actually think that you're sort of like, I mean, I get your point, Bobby, and what you're trying to say, like, objectively, but even to kind of, all of these characters have already been announced for Batman and Superman, too, and basically what they've announced for the Justice League movie is the title, because everything else that they've announced has already been announced for Batman and Superman. Mm-hmm. So, basically, they're just re-announcing, like, they're sending out the same press release with a different title. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to be excited for things when what we're getting is what we've already been given. I mean, I don't know. I, this is what I think about it. I think that it's a justice league movie and we're comic book fans. If we liked the source material that they were, the, the origin movie that they're working off of, uh, it wouldn't matter that there was nothing else to me. Like, I think that we'd be super pumped that the justice league movie is happening. And I think that, I, I think that, look, I, I, I think, I don't think we're wrong for not being excited, but I think that, there is definitely a, a the, the largest aspect, at least for me, is the fact that I don't like Man of Steel, so I can't get excited for a movie that is based off of that universe. Yeah, I, I wish there were more groundwork being laid. Right. Yeah. If, of course. If they had just said, not Zack Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you had said, the director of Justice League is Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. and produced by Grant Heslov and George <laughs> Clooney. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, can I sign up now? Yeah. And I'm not yeah. because I've got. Not enough lead-in, not enough structure, and a movie I didn't like before. So it's the perfect storm of why I'm not excited. I also thought for sure that by getting Ben Affleck into Batman Superman, that they were going to like massage him into doing the Justice League. If they had announced, I'll tell you this, if they had announced Justice League with Ben Affleck directing... I would be, my tone well, yeah. would be completely changed. Be- be- but because it's not Zack Snyder... Nothing has changed except for the fact that the director you don't like. I'm not, listen, I'm not disagreeing with you that that's part of why I feel the way that I do. I'm just saying that the the puzzle pieces, for mm. lack of a much better term, is the larger part of it for me. But yes, what you're saying definitely is true mm. in regard to that the jumping off point being sour for me definitely paints right. my opinion of going forward. But ha- not having that groundwork and not having the foundation and the blueprint for this huge idea that is that is supposed to be this massive thing that gets me so excited without having those pieces and knowing what the the you know 
the sum of the parts are going to be made of, it's very hard for me to get excited. Right. Yeah, I get that. Um, Stephanie, you want anything else you want to say? I know you've been getting kind of cut off and on a delay, so I don't want to leave you out in the cold. No, no. I mean, I, I, I wish I could be excited for it, but it's the same sort of thing. Like, you know, I want to be positive. I know a lot of people were like, I think the Man of Steel was probably the most united fans have been against us. <laughs> um, and I'm sure they're currently booing and hissing at our dismay. But I don't know. Like, it's I'm just not excited. You know, like I tend to like DC comics more than I like marvel comics but i like the marvel movies more than i like the dc movies Mm -hmm. and you know dc or marvel just keeps on doing everything it's hard because it's hard to also be objective when marvel's doing so much right and it you can't not compare and in comparison Mm -hmm. dc is losing this battle yeah and it's hard to kind of separate them yeah no i mean look i I totally agree with you I, i mean every marvel movie is just yeah i mean i'm not trying to it's really hard to be objective, but you know, Arrow's good. Yeah, Arrow's really good. <laughs> uh, you know, and it will, but it's just a fact. I mean, the, the sure number of movies, you don't have to be even subjective about it. Objectively, Marvel is trouncing DC as far as movies go right now. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, we'll see what happens um, uh, going forward and when they start to get closer. I mean, we still haven't gotten anything for the Batman Superman movie. So we'll have to see when that starts coming out. That's not coming out to 2016. So we still have some time before that comes out. Um, yeah, I suspect it was Ben Affleck was working on getting Gone Girl out there. He was. He's doing his, doing his directing thing. Ooh. Oh, no he's, no, he's starring in Gone Girl. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Fincher is directing Gone Girl. That's right. Ooh. Yeah. That yeah. looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen anything for it, but I am interested. Yeah. Oh, my God. The trailer looks so good. I read that book. I don't even and know what it's about. Like, oh, well, you should read the book. The ending, like the three quarters that kind of falls apart but like they rewrote the parts that didn't work for the movie the author actually did it's great oh, okay cool see, i have to borrow the book i bought it for someone for christmas and <laughs> I have to get it back um it's, it's crazy but awesome cool awesome uh so moving on uh marvel this past weekend announced a bunch of books and we're gonna go over to a couple of them right now for the hell of oh wait i was in canada i don't know anything yeah, there's no there's no internet in canada i was gonna um, say where have i been <laughs> um so they announced uh deadpool versus x-force which is uh, Dwayne Sarinsky and Pepe Larraz, uh, or Larraz. It, it, take, it takes place um, before they they turn from the New Mutants into X Force. It's like the first meeting between Deadpool wow. and Cable. So it's it's cool. I mean, it's it's something. I think it, the logo looks very '90s, and I think that it's meant to be for those people who have been without those characters in that way for a very long time. So it's it's pretty cool. Hmm. Um, obviously, they announced the death of Wolverine. Um, written yep. by Charles Soule with art by Steve McNiven for September 2014. AKA the temporary death of Wolverine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, when is this set? Is it a current? Yes, it's current. Or, now, which Wolverine is dead? At the age of Ultron, weren't, at the end of that, weren't there two of them? <laughs> um, it's whatever the Wolverine is now in Paul Cornell's book is going to be dead. Okay. I wish we had Rob on because he had a theory that he tossed to me yesterday that was very interesting in the idea of the Wolverine, the character not dying but just the name Wolverine being uh, put to rest. What's going to happen? Well, I don't know. It was like I said, <laughs> I it was a theory. Yeah, he's done it before. Where he's, I think they've hinted that, like the imagery, is pretty dead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the covers are like claws, one broken claw, two dead. broken claws, three broken claws, and then a skeleton hand. Yeah, I mean, if you want my opinion <laughs> on it, you know, kill him off, do it for a while. I I am all for it. I think it'll be really interesting. Um, I yeah. 
Yeah, awesome. I mean, the, the quote is that the three months to die storyline beginning in June. From there, writer Charles Soule, so that's will be Paul Carnell, will start that, that run on three months to die. And then in September, Charles Soule and artist Steve McNiven will chronicle Logan's final mission, where the combination of a broken healing factor and an unstoppable villain will finally end his century-long century life. Oh, all right. So pretty done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until Age of Apocalypse comes out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, until the next movie. I wrote the temporary absence of Wolverine from Marvel Comics yeah. until the next movie comes out. Now, if it's a slow news day in the, in the real world, yeah. Wolverine died. Yeah, it will happen. Yeah. It'll definitely happen when it actually goes on. Same thing will happen with Ultimate Spider-Man, stuff yeah. like that. Um, you know, there, there's part of it that I, with, with such a big character like this, I feel like they have to do this. They have to be like, because it's going to leak at some point anyway. So they're like, oh, we'll just call it the death of Wolverine. So nobody tries to spoil it for anybody because yeah. you already know what's going to happen. It happened with Death of Spider-Man as well in, in the Ultimate Universe. I mean, look, I think that do the story, like have fun with it. I mean, it's obvious. It's like, to me, it's like wrestling. It's like, we all know what <laughs> goes on behind the scenes. You know, he, he's going to be gone for a while and then he'll be back just like Peter in Spider-Man conveniently came back the week the movie is coming, yeah. is coming back, is, is going to come out. So I, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's cool. I mean, why not? Like you just do your thing, you know, it, yeah. and nothing is permanent here. So he's in, uh, he's in 6,000 books. So I don't know how that's going to affect all the people who make their money writing Wolverine, but I don't know. Well, to see what happens. Well, it was funny because they, when they announced it, they were like, "This is going to affect our entire Marvel universe." It and will. I actually sat there and I was like, "Well, yeah, this time yeah. it actually will." Yeah, yeah. Well, well seventy. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, that's basically Stephanie, their catchphrase for everything. It's true. Sorry. No, go ahead, Stephanie. No. Their catchphrase again. Speaking of press releases, is like you know the headline for everything is like Wolverine is going to change the universe forever. <laughs> Ultimates. Going to change the universe forever. Yeah. Inhuman. It's going to change the universe forever. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we should stop using the word forever, Marvel. We should probably ban that from your vocabulary because I'm pretty sure you don't know what that means. For right now. Yeah. <laughs> Until the next time. For yeah. the time being in a world. Until that next thing we already announced. <laughs> the world is going to be changed. Everything you knew was wrong. Don't but, look in previews. <laughs> but not really the whole world, just certain books. His healing yeah. factors being kept in a little gold ball. Yeah. So, yeah, so, Bob, He's what do you think about this? Uh, can you tell a good story with this? They managed it with the death of Captain America. He wasn't in his own book for a year and a half. And, mm-hmm. and you, as with Peter, you then discovered why you loved him so much when he came back. Mm-hmm. <sighs> It's hard to keep selling characters dying when you keep bringing them back. Right. So the impact of that starts to go away, and mm-hmm. people are, we're all, we're all pretty cynical about this. Yes. And rightly so. Yeah. So here we go again. Yeah. I think that we should come up with a Talking Comics character death pool <laughs> and have people bet on what, what month or what year characters are going to come back. Like, when's Charles Xavier going to come back? Um. Oh, who knows? I don't know. That one seems a little bit permanent to me. At least as permanent as comic book deaths. He's been go. gone for a while. Yeah, it's been gone for a while now. A- AVX. Yeah, AVX was the last time. I was thinking about this. We're about to review Amazing Spider-Man two next week. The first movie came out two years ago. Ooh. <laughs> We've been doing this for over two years. Shit. Crazy, yeah. crazy talk. Well, in September it'll be three years. Yeah, this is episode one hundred and thirty-one. Damn. Um, <laughs> we gotta have another live event soon. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we got maybe. seventy weeks until. We- <laughs> 150. Uh, let's do another one for the hell of it. Um, so uh, the other book they also announced, uh, Legendary... Do one at your wedding. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be great. Uh, 
<laughs> would be. We'll have it at my house. We can order from downstairs at the, the Tex-Mex place. That Tex-Mex place is awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, that place is awesome. Yeah, we yeah. can get a haircut downstairs while they want it. Maybe go take some yoga. <laughs> Mesquite, right? That's that place called? That place is awesome. Um, the other book they announced, Legendary Star-Lord, um, Sam Humphreys and Paco Medina on the on the art. I mean, it's it's no big shocker that with Guardians of the Galaxy coming out, we're having both a Rocket Raccoon and a Star-Lord book coming out. Um I think it's pretty cool. You know, I've, uh, Sam Humphreys has been a writer who I haven't really connected with on some of the things that he's written, but um, I've been digging Star-Lord as a character in Guardians of the Galaxy, the the Bendis book. So it's something that I'll probably check out issue one of, but it'll have to be something special for me to do. It's funny because, Stephanie, you talked about Iron Patriot today, and I didn't pick up the book because I was like, I don't really, I don't care about the Iron Patriot. What do I want to read a whole book about it for? But what you describe the story as and what his reasoning is, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, so I hope that there's something in... Star Lord, that's like that lovable rogue. Yeah, apparently. Han Solo ish yeah. character. That's what we're all hoping for, right? <laughs> and this is Star where Kitty Lord, Pride man. has ended up, apparently. Um, she's gonna end up. Reading. Oh, she's gonna end up with Star Lord. I didn't know that. Yeah, part. I know that's cool. Little weird team. Yeah, <laughs> weird team up between those two. Um, and they even kind of stuck him now in in the cover image. They have him back in like the mask and the outfit that he has in the movie. So they're obviously, you know, trying to align those things before we move into, into movie time. That movie's going to be huge with that. Uh, anybody Stevie excited about legendary star Lord? Sure. Why not? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I am, I am talking about movies that I'm excited for now that captain America is, well, it's still in theaters. Uh, captain America rocked my world hard. Uh, such amazing. It got me super pumped for, for guardians, even though they're completely, unrelated i can't wait to see new characters i'm really excited to usher in these people that you know characters and people that nobody really knows or has seen before i'm really excited for the the general reaction from like from the general public stuff like that um like i said this christmas it's gonna be rocket raccoon plushies in every stocking mm-hmm. um really excited for the scotty young book and yeah I really dig the cosmic stuff. I, I think it's a lot of fun. Marvel seems to be going in that direction with a couple of its characters uh, in these new books. And uh, a Star Wars thing, he's very charismatic. He's very funny. And um, he's rather complex in ways that I did not expect when I started reading Guardians of the Galaxy. Stuff with his father. And um, I appreciate his banter and his wit. So, yeah, I'm not... I don't know how many things I've read from Sam Humphreys, uh, and I would have to check out the artwork for it. But um, yeah, I mean, like you said, I would ch- definitely check out a number one. And uh, if it's funny and witty and uh, promises is promises, if it's promising, mm-hmm. I will continue to pick it up. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stephanie, you have any opinion about legendary Star-Lord? She's silent. She doesn't care. She's there, too. I don't know what... Oh, well, no, we dropped it again. Stephanie's having internet troubles right now, so we'll move on, and she'll be back. She's um, probably hanging out with her landlord on the roof. She gets things <laughs> reconnected. That's probably why it happened. It, internet connection problems started happening once the he's, landlord showed he's up. He's sitting up there, and he's like, hey. Yeah, just like <laughs> mo- <laughs> unplugging things. This is for making so many pumpkin pancakes. <laughs> uh, the other book uh, that he got was uh, Storm uh, by Greg Pack with art by Victor Ivanez. Yes. Um so it's uh, Aurora Monroe's first ongoing solo series. Uh, the new the new book looks at distance Aurora from her team as she ventures out into the world to promote sp- peace between human and mutant kind and use her incredible powers to better the world. That quest will put her at odds with foes, both ordinary and supernatural. Bob, 
How excited are you about this storm book? Very much, because I do love Greg Pak yeah. quite a bit. And when reading some of what Greg Pak was saying, big fan of the Claremont era and the Paul Smith one. So you're going to see the the punk rock Mohawk storm, I think, here, the one who fought Callisto and all that sort of stuff in those period. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I've been loving the Greg Pak stuff over at DC recently so i'm excited to see what he does with storm steve what about you oh hell yeah yeah no another uh another female-led title especially by greg pack um been loving action comics ever since you know you got me to jump onto that book that book has been great every time mm-hmm. um and i believe he uh, he wrote that uh dr strange season one he did yes. yeah that was fantastic too mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've only read a handful of his stuff, but I, I, what I've read, I've liked. And, um, considering that I took a Facebook quiz today, uh, which super heroine are you? And I <laughs> yeah. got Storm nice. as my result. <laughs> so, uh, serendipity, I will purchase your comic, Aurora. <laughs> um, and aside from that, I think she's a really cool character. Love her power set. Absolutely mm-hmm. love her power set. Um, don't care for her much in the movies. A lot of that has to do with Holly Berry, but that is not in any way marred the comic book character for me. Yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, I, I don't, again, it's one of these things where you keep going to these places where I don't know a ton about the character solo. I mean, I've obviously read a bunch of Storm in X Men comics, even though she's not super prevalent right now in, in, in any of the teams. And obviously, the, the animated series for all those years as well. Uh, and always really liked her a lot, but great right writer. You know, I, I think that I'm just, it's the right time, I feel like, for for the character. And I love, it. again, another another female-led Marvel book that yeah. we're going to see. Does she still have the mohawk? And does, is there, like, art for it? Uh, there is it a couple. Looks, it does look yes, that way. it looks that way. Again, yes. he, the, the, the Paul Smith... That's where they started that back mm. in. I know. I like. So. I like her with the with the the full. I I don't know. The, the full head of hair. Yeah, the mohawk just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> I know a lot of people love it. Yeah. Um, I'm not one of those people. Mm. I like the the waviness and the way that when she when she uses her powers, that her hair kind of lifts up into tendrils and is like moving all around with the winds and everything. I think mm. it's really oh. cool. Yeah. The, the Cockrum burn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 I, I mean, it's just me. It's just a preference. Yeah. Hey, I'm just happy that now I get to read her because I'd given up on right. the other X Men. Yeah. I mean, she is. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She was in the Brian Wood X Men. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, just so everybody knows, uh, Stephanie's internet has gone out for the last time. It's it's she her Wi-Fi is gone, oh. so she's not gonna be joining us for the rest of the show. Oh. Unfortunately. Um, she we, gave up. We got through most of it though, so there's not that much left to do. Um, Another book, this is actually an original Sin tie-in that I'm actually actually really excited for. Um, this is um, Thor and Loki, The Tenth Realm, Ooh. which is going to be written by Jason Aaron and Al Ewing, who are writing those books respectively. Yes. And features also uh, Angela as kind of their long, they're like their kind of long lost sister out. type That's of situation. Awesome. Sister they never knew about. Yeah, that that the whole pitch of it. Wow. Um, I did not hear about that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually really, really excited about it. Um, so... Um, it turns out that uh, Odin sired a daughter in addition to his son Thor and adopted son Loki, and that daughter is none other than Angela, who crossed over from the Spawn franchise to the Marvel Universe last year in Age of Ultron. Why not? Her, her Odin. Her origin as a daughter of Asgard will tie into the, to the reveal of a previously unknown tenth realm. Man, he uh, he gets around. He does. Well, you know, it's like he's like Zeus. Yeah, it's like the same thing, right? They all they all just sleep around those those head gods. They're just. <laughs> They're both standing in a bar somewhere checking out girls. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's great. Mm. Yeah. Are you surprised? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the one that I'm most um, excited for about any of the original Sin kind of tie-ins they've announced. Uh, I just love the idea of it. I've been loving 
Loki. I know you love Thor. Yeah, and that new Loki book is awesome. And yeah. the Thor book is outstanding. Yeah, a- and I-, I think that Angela has been really awesome in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. So it's just it's just like a perfect matchup of all those characters. And it, one of those things that just makes sense that she would be involved in that in that part of the universe. So really, really excited uh, about about that. Um, and that's all I have as far as really. I mean, they announced a new Dark Tower book. They're finally moving on to the second book. Of Dark Tower, the drawing of the three. Mm. Uh, Peter David still. Um, yeah, Peter David still. Okay. Yeah, Peter David. He is the man on those books. He just yeah. <laughs> just turns them out. Um, Robin Robin Firth is apparently the the other guy. He's the guy that knows. I think he I think he scripts it and Peter does dialogue. Yes. and finishes. I think that's how it works. Yeah, I think that's how it works. I think that's what he said when he was here talking to us. Um, you know, I, I'm a huge Dark Tower fan, and I haven't read a ton of those books, but what I've read have, have been really great. They get they get that universe. I read really I think well. the first three. Yeah, them, and they were very good. Yeah, and uh, the first one, Jai Lee is the is the artist on it, and his stuff is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's like crazy, crazy beautiful. Um, so let's see here. Uh, I want to dig into a couple of emails. Um, first of all, this is on the the Flash controversy that that we talked about. Mm. Um, so again, this is these are these are not really spoilers because again, the, the the fact that he's dead happens on the first page. The the surprise is supposed to be that it was Wally, but. We knew that three months ago, so I'm not, I'm not considering this a spoiler. Um, so uh, he said, so on the controversy, he wrote a very long email, very well written. I want to thank you very much. It's from Bobby Jackson. Um, he said, so on to the controversy. Of the three things I found shocking, I have to say that finding out he was dead was the most shocking. So when I searched the internet to find out more information, I was surprised that the real sticking point for some people was that Wally West has been changed from a Caucasian character to an African-American character. While that fact didn't escape my attention and, did, and it did catch me off guard, I was only mildly bothered by that change. Um, why I was bothered at all was because I didn't understand the reasons behind the, behind the change. As an African-American myself, I'm all for seeking more, seeing more characters in comics that speak to who I am, but this one I didn't get, so I ended up finding an article on IGN where the new co-writers, Robert Venditti and Van Jensen, explain their decision. Um, so, and, then they, and he quoted them on here, and this is a quote from, I think this is, uh, I don't know if this is, this is Van Jensen. He says, uh, when the New 52 started, the entire universe was reset. Fans get upset because, understandably, fans have an emotional connection to these characters. But this is also a new Barry Allen, a new Iris West. Every character in this universe is a new character. Those old versions are still alive. They're still there. The books that, that they're in still exist. I still have those books on my shelf so I can go revisit and re- reread those books. But if we're introducing new characters and completely new versions of characters, it would be strange to not introduce some radical changes. Um... And then Bobby says, what makes it interesting to me is that, and I'm not, I'm not speaking in third person, this is Bobby Jackson, yes. uh, what makes it interesting to me is that if you're going to introduce r- radical changes in the New 52, why make Wally West African-American instead of Superman or Batman or some other heavy hitter? Why stop there? Why not make any of the big characters gay or change their gender to female? Obviously, the reason is motivated by sales, as they probably figured that that would be too radical of a change and continue to hit sales numbers. But think of the amazing stories they could tell. They could also go on to mention in the article that it was DC's decision to reintroduce Wally as a biracial character, which makes me wonder if they wanted to have their comic world and TV, their, their comic world and TV world aligned to some degree, since the upcoming TV show Iris West is African American as well. I do believe there are instances. Um, uh, there are instances in which changing a character's race, gender, sexual orientation can be good, but I feel like it needs to come from an honest place and honest. Uh, an honest place and not as a money grab. I don't know which of those two places this, this particular choice comes, but I can only hope that ultimately the storytelling prevails. 
So there's my take. I don't mind the change, but I'm hoping it was done with the proper foresight in mind. In light of all the recent sports news about racist owners, I can't say that I'm mad to see more representation of African Americans in comics, if for no other reason than to give more exposure to people that are not from a, that race a window into their world, much like you get from reading Miss Marvel when handled properly. What do you guys think? Should an established character be changed in such a profound way, or is it better to create new characters with traits that have been underexplored? Sorry for the long letter. It's my first. Thanks again for all the work you put into the shows. And one more thing, Bob Rocks. All right. <laughs> Guitar solo. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Bob, what do you think? Well, even without that, that closing salutation, uh, I, that was a great letter. Mm-hmm. Now, when they did the Earth 2 Green Lantern thing and then made the announcement that Green Lantern was going to come out and be gay, it turned into, well, why did they do that exactly? Because, A, it's, it's not even the real Green Lantern of Earth 2, Alan Scott. It's a new one in another place. And where is that change coming from? Is it just to get a news release mm-hmm. out? In, the, in this sense, for all the people, that, and granted it's just us, the, the comic fans, who are really invested in Wally West as a character, you're, there are people who this is going to make very upset and that's going to turn into a thing. Couldn't you have him be Fred Smith mm. and have all those traits, just, just as Bobby mm. points out, to be a really great, strong new character in the way that John Stewart was mm-hmm. all those years ago when Denny O'Neill right. and John Broom and all those guys came up with that character. That's a, a better way to do it, I think, mm-hmm. than just slathering right. someone else's identity through this. It's I We want a more representational set of books and characters. Mm-hmm. Go for new to me yeah. rather, rather than usurping somebody else's identity. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, what do you think? I'm actually okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of diversity in comics becoming a thing for all of the other things that are becoming a thing. Uh, <laughs> diversity in comics should be one of them. Um, I I would, I mean, what Bob just said about, you know, you could just make it a new character. Yes, um, absolutely. But at the same time, I mean, it, it's hard to... It, Things that we've seen in the past, uh, you mentioned the the Green Lantern, uh, you know, the homosexual character Green Lantern, and um, there was the, was that the the situation where, or was that Earth Two, where we were introduced to a character and they were killed in a train accident? Earth Two, no, his fiance was killed in a train accident. Yeah, three that was pages the after Lantern, the yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, if they're going with the the attitude that the DC fifty two that this was a a hard reset, um. I think you can, you can take characters. Would it have been nice if it was a larger scale character? Sure. But you know what? I something like Miles Morales will will that for somebody like me who doesn't who hasn't really paid attention to the Flash very much uh at this point with you know diving into the the um not uh who am I thinking of? I'm sorry. Not uh not Bachelot. Um the new run? No, the old one, Brian... B- Brian Bucciolato and um, Brian Francis Bucciolato. Manipal. Yeah. Um, even if... I hoped, I hope that it's not a cash grab. It could definitely be conceived as one. But if the news story... If, if this garners the attention and it's brought to the attention of him being a biracial character that gets people to pick up the book and gets them interested in the character, then that's where it could work to the advantage of the character... And honestly, with with race in regard to the 
to that, it it just it doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. If it's a great character, it's a great character. Um, changing it for me personally, I can't speak on a grand scale or for everyone else. Um, curiosity for me will win out, and I will want to see what they do with that character. If that gets me to love a character that makes me gravitate towards them, then they've done their job, and I would gladly give my money for a new character that I enjoy. Right, yeah. I mean, for me, look, I love Wally West. I think that, to me, Wally West was the Flash. I I didn't know who Barry Allen was for a very long time, because Wally West is the Flash in the Justice League cartoon. That's who the Flash is. It's just like, Mm -hmm. Jon Stewart is the Green Lantern in, in that book. So... To me, I mean, Wally West was the Flash for a very long time. I think not to call him a heavy hitter is a little bit weird because I think for a lot of people, he Flash is one of the biggest characters in the universe, and just until Jeff Johns brought Alan back, it, it was it was Wally West for years. I mean, twenty yeah. years, I think at yeah, least from the crisis. Yeah, on it was Wally West as the Flash. However, I do feel like in this new Fifty Two, I I feel like two Flashes who are base. Look, I mean, Wally is Wally is. Funny. That's kind of the main difference between Wally and and Barry, who are look kind of look exactly the same and have their same kind of uh, same background and same history and, and all these things. I and I'm simplifying it a little bit, but I think that it makes it doesn't make as much sense to me. Like, why have two Flashes now in a, in a new universe where there's not all these legacy characters? Mm-hmm. I mean, they still have all the Green Lanterns because I doubt that Jeff Johns would allow them to get rid of the Green Lanterns, but. I, I don't understand why you 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 wouldn't have legacy characters like that, right? So I feel like in this instance, it makes sense to bring back a character for a reason and using that reason to introduce him as a as a, as a racial character to to diversify the lineup. I, I, Bob, I, I agree with you. I think that it could have been better to to make a new character, like you said, John Stewart. Yeah. Well, as as Steve pointed out with Miles. Yeah, exactly. Like Miles Miles Morales, it, it definitely works. I think there's part of it though where they kind of want to. I mean, it could be a money grab, like 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 Bobby was saying, but I think also they want to say, in a way, we don't have to. It don't have to be new. Like we we can we can we can we can make it someone that everyone knows, and they can be African American, and we'll just have to move on. Yeah. Like that's the way that's the way it's going to work. But won't go far again, as he points out. Yeah. They wouldn't have ever done right. I, I also think Batman yeah. or Superman because of underoos and t-shirts yeah, and yes. all the rest of it. And they can do this here. Yeah, figuring he isn't the heavy hitter to the public. Right, another public. And yeah. also, there's more than one Flash. You know, there's not more than one Batman. There's not more than one Superman. So obviously, they have some safety there as well because mm-hmm. there's multiple multiple people. Um, just on something about the the money grabbing aspect. Um, I mean, how long does the money grab thing actually last? Like the first, the first appearance, mm-hmm. an issue. Like if it's if it ends up being a money grab thing, I mean there there are levels of that that are not right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if that gets people to plunk down their three four dollars or whatever it is to go and check out the character, and like I said, introduced to a character they end up liking mm-hmm. and continue to pick up the book, that cash grab for whatever nefarious you know means that it was created it will have a positive result in the long run because mm-hmm. something like that, I mean, there are different types of cash grabs for something like this with a biracial character, that cash grab will only be as good as that first issue. After that, it's up to the reader and it's up for them to vote with their dollars mm-hmm. as to whether or not they're going to continue to follow mm-hmm. that character. So I don't think that the cash grab aspect will have a, a lasting negative effect on the character. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think that, I think I said when we talked about some of the, the women uh, books as well, I think it's kind of, it's awesome 
that they feel like they can make more money by appealing to a different demographic. That's basically what they're saying by a cash grab. And to me, that that's a good thing. You know, that, that that's that's mm-hmm. a sign of the real change comes from these people who control the control all this stuff. And if they're saying, well, it makes more sense to have him be a black character now, like that's that's awesome. Where in the past they would whitewash things. There's tons of stories about like castings and movies and stuff like that where they they gender washed you know characters, um, much like uh, you know what uh, the Last Airbender the movie. Ugh. They you know it's a horrible movie, but regardless of that, they kind of they took away all of like the Asian influence of the movie and put yeah. basically all white kids in, in the movie. Um, this is this is the opposite of that, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Agreed. Yeah. So, Bobby, thank you so much for that letter. It's an awesome letter, and and we got we got so many great letters this week uh, to do with the anti bullying stuff. And I feel like me reading it out loud on the show would be doing a disservice to your letter because I'll stumble through it and I it there I don't have to I have to pick a piece from it. There's these long, wonderful letters. So what we're gonna I'm gonna do is I'm going to publish them as part of the podcast post. So you can if you go to this podcast on the site talkingcombooks.com. Yeah. I'll just I'm gonna copy and paste our letters verbatim, and you guys can check those out and, and read them because we got some awesome awesome stuff from people. Anybody else who wants to write anything and let us know. I mean, it, the the amount of kind of goodwill and, and awesome ideas and great positivity really was amazing this yeah. week. So thank you guys so much for that. Yeah, I was listening to the podcast when I was in Canada, mm-hmm. and I was just I was going ape shit uh, <laughs> about all that stuff, especially when Justin read that thing. Yeah, the uh, the comment. That, yeah, that horrible. Horrible comment when I was waiting. My plane was delayed on the way home that I used that time to kind of research all that stuff. And I was going around online and oh my God. Yeah. I just, I'm not even going to get started because I don't want to introduce negativity, especially Mm. towards the end of the show. Mm. But uh, just suffice to say that I I do not approve. Yeah. No, it was, it was, we're going to talk a lot more about this stuff as we go forward. It was kind of put together a kind of an anti bullying week. But thank you guys so much for writing in. It was awesome. And again, I'm going to publish letters on the site. Um, so let's go over really quick. The I just want to re- read these off. I mean, my throat's gonna be hoarse by the time I'm done reading new releases because we have all the new comic book day, the free comic book day new releases. Ah. Um, so on free comic book day, you're gonna be getting uh, your 2014 gold books are gonna be Archie Digest number one, uh, Bongo Free for All, DC the New 52 Futures End Special Edition, um, D, D uh, Avatar Hellboy Juice Squeezers. So it's a dark horse nice. uh, grouping of, th- of three. Um, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy for Marvel, Hello Kitty Surprise, we've got Kaboom Summer Blast, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, we've got Rise of the Magi, uh, we've got Spongebob Freestyle Funnies, uh, Transformers vs. G.I. Joe, nice. uh, Walt Disney Scrooge Donald, uh, sorry, Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck, A Matter of Some Gravity, That's the name of the book. Yes. <laughs> I am there for that. We got a 2000 AD. This is, these are your silver books. We have a 2000 AD special. We have Jellabi, um, Adventures of Jellabi. We've got uh, an All Rocket Raccoon special. We've got um, we'll All You Need. arm wrestling over that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. probably. All You Need is Kill. Um, we've got <laughs> uh, Armor Hunter special from Valiant. We've got Atomic Robo and Friends. Uh, we've got Bleeding Cool Magazine. There's Buck Rogers. Hi, Buck Rogers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Raising a Reader. It's from the, that's from the comic book Illegal Defense Fund. That one Fund. looks really interesting. It's how to use comics to teach your kids to read and yeah. socialize and everything else. Very so. cool. Uh, uh, Courtney Crumnin. Crumrin. Yes. Uh, awesome. We've got Defend Comics. We've got Project Black Spy. Um, Black Sky. Sorry, not Black Spy. Uh, we've got Entropy. Uh, we've got Epic. Uh, we've got some, another Gossamer book. Uh, we've got Fubar. Uh, Ace of Spades, 
Um, I used to spy age. We have a giant size four comic bundle. I'm not sure what's in it, but there you go. We have the dumbest idea ever. Um, we have Grim Fairy Tales number zero. Um, we've got Far From Wonder, uh, the, the Hatter M, it's called. That's Ben Templesman. Oh. Ooh. There you go. Get on that. Uh, we've got Hip Hop Family Tree. Uh, we've got Intrinsic Volume 2, Ipso Facto. We've got Les Miserables, Fall of Fantine. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's anime. Yeah, it's anime. We've or got Magic. Manga, I guess, more probably. Yes, manga. We've got Magic Wind. Don't want Mara hitting me. <laughs> we've got um, a Mouse Guard Labyrinth uh, and Rust book from Archaea. Yeah, it's Ooh. an anthology. It's an anthology, yeah. Oh, my God. I think it's hardcover. It too. is hardcover, yeah. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! We've got Overstreet Comic Book Marketplace. We've got uh, we've got a Preview World. Um, we've got Scam Crosswords, Scratch Nine, Sherwood, Texas, uh, Boondock Saints, and Double Feet, which Damn. is which is a, which is a, th- a three pack again. Um, Showa History of Japan. We've got a Skyward and Midnight Tiger from Action Lab. Uh, Mega Man X. We've got Steam Wars. We've got Street Fighter Number Zero. Uh, Teen Titans Go Number One Special Edition. The Smurfs. Uh, the Tick. Uh, top shelf spoon kids brand new club tick. yeah um it says free on it uh uber <laughs> the first cycle valiant universe handbook v wars world of aspen and zombie tramp and erm theory i totally have the beatles stuck in my head now all you need is love but mm-hmm. it's all you need is kill it's pretty awesome it's the opposite yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, a lot so, of cool all ages stuff in that yeah that there is really nice it's a lot yeah, of books. kids are going to be in the stores I feel like there was more than last year i don't know Maybe. I don't know, find a out lot of books, movie. awesome stuff. Um, from Abstract Studios. So we're going to get the stuff that's actually out today now. Abstract Studios, Rachel Rising, number 25. Yeah. Um, we've, got, we've got Mega Man, number 36, from Archie Comics, as well as Betty and Veronica, Double Digest, number 223, and Jughead and Archie, Double Digest, number one. From Avatar Press, we've got Uber, number 12, from Boom Studios. We've got Adventure Time, 2014, annual, number one. Clockwork Angels, number two. We've got Garfield Pet Force, 2014 special, number one. And Loki, Ragnarok, and Roll, number three. <laughs> from Dark Horse Great Comics. True. Um, Alabaster, Grimmer Tales, hardcover. Is that in the Alabaster Wolves? I don't Seriously? know. Oh. I don't think so. Uh, I knew she had like a prose book coming out as well. And, you know what? I I have. I'm not even gonna say anything. Cause I have no idea. Caitlin Kiernan. Were yes, Caitlin okay. Kiernan. Yeah, because uh, I love that Alabaster. Wolf yeah, do we have an author awesome. on that? It's Caitlin Kiernan. It must oh, be. I'm well, looking it up. I'm looking it up right now. Okay. I'm, I'm, so we'll, we'll know in a second. Um, we've got Blackout number two of four. Captain Midnight number ten. Furious number four of five. King Conan the Conqueror number three of six. We've got um, Pariah number three, Serenity Leaves on the Wind number four, Star Wars Rebel Heist number one, Vandroid number three. From DC Comics, we've got Adventures of Superman number 12, Batgirl Annual number two, Batman 66 number 10, Batman Beyond Universe number nine, Batman Eternal number four. We got Batwoman Annual number one, a Flash Annual number three. We've got Forever Evil Aftermath, Batman versus Bane, one shot. We've got Green An- Green Lantern, Green Lantern, New Guardians, Annual number two, He Man, The Masters of the Universe, number twelve, Injustice, Gods Among Us, Year two, number four, Scribble Knots Unmasked, A Crisis of Imagination, number four. We've got uh, Vertigo Quarterly, Cyan, number one. It's one of their anthologies. Um, it's another one of those kind of the ghosts, witches kind of oh, series. Oh, Witching Hour last yeah, year. Yeah, that, okay. that kind of thing. It, 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 they're not calling it those. They're calling them quarterlies now. So the, 
so they'll do four a year um but they're all those kind oh. of uh anthologies and they've all been great so i'm looking forward to that one um from dynamite entertainment we've got uh badass number three we've got battlestar galactica number 10 battlestar galactica six number one we've got doc savage number five grim number 12 six million dollar man season six um number one oh sorry that's the second printing uh and that's it from idw we've got dexter's laboratory number one gi joe number 15 ghostbusters number 15 We've got Judge Dread Mega City 2, number 4. My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, number 18. We've got Skybreaker Trade Paperback. We've got uh, Transformers. More. Yes. <laughs> More than what, Bob? More than meets the eye. Okay. More than meets the eye, number 28. <laughs> We've got V Wars, number 1, and X Files 10, number 11. X-Files Season 10, number 11. Uh, Image Comics, we've got, we've got a bunch. Image has come a bunch of their dollar image first which are number one issues for a dollar that's zero number one alex and ada number one and black science number one we also get black science number six we get chew number 41 we get deadly class number four we've got dream police number one we've got egos number four there's also an east of west image first dollar edition we've got elephant men number 56 lazarus one dollar a lazarus a manifest destiny and a pretty deadly and a rat queens and a saga um number ones for a dollar uh we also have um southern bastards number one a new series from i think jason aaron is the writer Mm -hmm, on that book right uh which i'm pretty, pretty excited about that one We've got Tales of Honor, number two, Ten Grand, number nine, Umbral, number six. Um, let's see what else we got here. From Marvel Comics, we've got All New X-Men, number 26, Amazing Spider-Man, number one. Yeah. Little book coming out. Uh, Avengers, number 28, Avengers AI, number 12, Avengers World, number five. <laughs> I just said it. I didn't even see there was another Avengers book. I just said it, and it, it happened to be true. Right. Um, Disney Kingdom, Seekers of the Weird, number four of five. Hulk, number two. We've got, let's see here, um, New Avengers, number 17. Origin 2, number five of five. We've got Silver Surfer, number two. Uncanny Avengers Annual, number one. What If Age of Ultron, number five. Wolverine, number five. X-Force, number four. Um, Let's see. From Valiant, we've got Rye, number one. And Shadow Man, End Times, number one. We're beginning the next summer of Valiant now. Uh, so a bunch of number ones over the summer from them. Uh, Grim Fairy Tales presents Wonder... This is Xenoscope, obviously. Grim Fairy Tales presents Wonderland Asylum, number four. Uh, Wonderland Crash Clash of Queens, number three. And that's all that's on the shelves right now. That's a lot of books. It's as many as there usually are. Come on. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Not nearly as many number ones as usual. No. So that makes it a little bit easier. Uh so like I said, next week we're going to be doing um, a review of Amazing Spider-Man number two, and you'll hear when we get the feed, but we're going to have the Talking Movies guys on, and we're kind of going to kind of do their format for the week so you guys can get a sense, if you haven't listened to that show yet, what their show's all about and what it feels like, and we'll have Brian and Chris on as well to, to talk about the movie and, and review Amazing Spider-Man uh, two. I almost, said, I almost said number two. I mean, I said too many number somethings yes. before That's okay. in the last couple of minutes. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, it's uh, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. It's also at talkingcomics on Twitter and facebook.com slash talkingcomics. Um, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve? 
Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie's is at hello cookie and Bob, your email address. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Is there anything you wanted to bring up before we close out the show? Support your local store with free comic books. They, they are, a lot of them are doing all sorts of events. We have, I know we have some local stores here doing costume parades. It's a skate pod up in Huntington. Yeah. Rob out of tour is going to have books in his dollar bins and mm-hmm. quarter bins. And your local store puts out those books that are free aren't free to them. Mm-hmm. They're paying for those and support them. Yeah. find some new stuff find some new stores find some old stuff while you're there listen to those people be yeah. part of the community yeah. and one more thing obey the rules of free comic book day and be cool because <laughs> like Bob said they pay for those books do not walk in there thinking that you can walk away with a copy of each and every one of them if mm. there's a limit there's a limit for a reason mm. pick the yes. ones get there early pick the ones that you want the most and just love comics yeah absolutely Absolutely. Um, so that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve. All you need is kill. Bob. Go Raptors. And for Stephanie. Meow. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>